Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us? It's all true. But another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is our new beginning, and it starts tonight. A new day is dawning for DX. So who you're talking to? fans thank you for coming back to hang out with us my name is christy olson we got producer jimbo frank on the couch and of course the one the only the legend sean x-pop waltman well hello christy hello what's up jimbo what's going on mark Hey, Mark, in the booth. We are all so excited. We're going to be breaking down the week's hottest pro wrestling news headlines. Reporter Jason King will be calling in from Bleacher Report. And also, we have got a big interview. Our first in-studio guest right here at AfterBuzz TV, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, baby. Will be joining us a little bit later. Yes. Ooh, I'm excited for that. You just keep bringing those buddies in, and we just keep grilling them. I'm trying. I'm trying, everybody. It's so nice not to have to introduce myself. Well, yeah. Allow yeah, myself to for. introduce myself. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll actually be introducing somebody else here in just a second. Yes. You uh, were the subject of a news story this past week. I was um, part of a news story. You were, and, and it became a quite bigger news story. And um, Bleacher Report's Jason King is going to be joining us now via telephone. He is a senior writer at Bleacher Report, formerly from ESPN.com. And in 2015, Jason was recognized by the APSE as one of the nation's top beat reporters. Please welcome to the show, Jason King. Hey, Jason. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you guys doing? And there's one, thank you having me on. There's one award that I would give you, and that's the award for the single most persistent reporter on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. Because this guy actually got me on the phone more than once. <laughs> more than once. I, I had no idea it was going to be such a chore. And, and let me tell you, there was, there was phone calls, there was texts, there were DMs. I think I... I showed up at your hotel while you were on the beach and, and uh, oh, you <laughs> in did. LA, That's and finally right. I uh, finally I, I tracked you down. And I don't know if I just annoyed you so bad that you finally decided to chat with me, or or if uh, it was more. It was more. But I appreciated it. It was more than that. Once I realized, like you know, I, first of all, I I had to do some vetting <laughs> and figure you know mm-hmm. figure out where you were coming from, and then it okay. was important to me that the the story be told right. Well, that's right, Jason. Why don't you start off by telling us about your piece on China, how it came to be, why you wanted to do it. Give us a little background on the story. And, and I, I'm sorry, but 
And how long did you work on this story from yeah. start to finish? Because I think people will be really surprised how much time you put into this. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a long process. But you know, I've been a journalist a long time, but I also you know grew up a, a wrestling fan, and and uh, you know I used to go to the Sportatorium in Dallas back in the days, watching the Freebirds and the Von Erichs yeah. and Bruiser wow. Brody and Kamala, and I kind of I kind of fell out of it for a while. But fell out right of it before that, I wrestled in the Sportatorium. <laughs> You told me that. I know. I know. I, I must have. I think I'd kind of. That was probably what around the, the late 80s. I was the or, one that killed it for you, right? <laughs> it was me no, showing no, up no, there. I, I would have remembered. I wouldn't have fallen out if, if I would have seen that. But uh, I got back interested again right around 97, uh, you know, to 2003, kind of right in there when, when China was, was, a, was a huge star. And, and even though I hadn't watched it as much recently, I, I still kind of followed everything that was going on with her. You know, once she left the WWE and, and when she passed away, you know, my heart just broke because, I, you know, I, you know, some people would, would look at her and, and, you know, all these TMZ videos and people just kind of, sure. I don't want to say laugh at, but they just kind of just dismiss it. And But to me, I mean, it was it ridicule. Like, There's a lot of, I mean, laugh, ridicule. Finger yeah, pointing. Yeah, hey, I mean, look I, at that. I, just to I've make never, yourself look better. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of schadenfreude out there. Right. Exactly, but I wasn't one of those types. I mean, I I saw just from a distance a, a person that was was going through a lot of pain and struggle, and I wanted to know kind of what the the true story, you know, behind um, you know her situation was, and kind of you know what what caused it, and then just wanted to, to dig a little a little deeper. I've always liked doing the, the in depth profiles. If you go back and look at my stuff, I've always you know done the, the lengthier pieces, and um, so got the editors to agree to let me do it, and I, I started making calls and. Uh, you know, talked to some people, finally got in touch with her manager at the time, Anthony Anzaldo, told me about the, the memorial service. I went out to that. Uh, you know, all the while I was trying to get in touch with That's where you cornered me. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I cornered you, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, went to the memorial, and and, and Sean had told me, hey, we'll, we'll talk after that. Uh, it was kind of a chaotic scene once it was over because obviously he was getting hit up for pictures and, and autographs, and, and he said, hey, why don't we just go talk, uh, you know, at a, at a restaurant, you know, in L.A. or something. So we went to the Rainbow Room, had a good discussion. Rainbow Actually did Bar a lot of grill. interview in the car on the way there, and luckily we're both, you know, still, still alive. alive to tell about it. But, uh, <laughs> that was quite the but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, well, we, neither one of us was driving. It was the crazy scene on the L.A. freeway out there. But, but uh, and then the next morning, you know, was on the, on the, uh, the boat when her ashes were spread, so I was there as well. And, uh, you know, can't thank you enough for the time that you, you finally agreed to give me and the perspective that you, you brought to the story. And you were one of 26 people I uh, ended up interviewing for that piece. Uh, not, all, not everyone's name was featured in the piece, but uh, it was 7,000 words. Started off at 8,500 words. Took me about a month to write it, and then another month for them to edit it and fact check fact it. Fact check and it. Rewrite parts of it. And then, yeah, uh, that um, was another thing. Then I had the fact checker I had to get on the phone with. Ooh, uh-oh. Mm. I'm like, didn't Jason tell you about me in the phone? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what I did? I, I don't know if you got on the phone with him or it was a DM or what, but I, I told him, I said, you're not going to get Sean on the phone. I, <laughs> I mean, he's, and I go, don't even try. He's done. He's, he's, He's given us uh, plenty of time already, but they were insistent. It was amazing. They would call people. Like there was a, a, a part of the story where they said at one time China uh, 
she didn't have enough money to tip a guy from Craigslist that had moved all her stuff from one apartment to the next, so she gave him her mink coat. And they were calling around trying to find the Craigslist mover to see if that was indeed true. And that actually may or may not be true. That actually may or may not be true because um, she would do things like that on occasion. Right. She just really Yeah, her friend uh, Christian was there when it happened, and he finally confirmed it. But, yeah, she had so many uh, little... There were so many little nuggets in the story of her her doing yeah. things like that, just randomly leaving flowers on the the doorstep of her landlord and, and things like that. So I wanted to make sure I showed those things as well. I, look, one thing on. that I was really surprised uh, about the story was that you were actually able to talk to Kathy, her sister. Mm-hmm. Well, I think getting a hold of Kathy uh, to me was the key to the whole story. You know, because she had she and the mom, China's mom, had never really spoken much to the media, and there was just a lot of questions about what was China really like before she became uh, a wrestler. And, and and not only that, I mean, Kathy and her were still very close during the time she was in the WWE, and that was obviously when she was dating, um, you oh, know, Triple H, yes. and that was when she had the contract issues. And, you know, China had, um, as you know, Sean had, had kind of pushed a narrative, you know, once she was no longer in the WWE sure. that that she was um, let go or fired or however you want to call it or didn't get her contract renewed. And, and that wasn't entirely true. No, it uh, wasn't. According to her sister, you know, she was offered $400,000 a year to renew the contract, uh, and she turned it down. Uh, she wanted a base salary. She wanted a, bottom a, down, line salary of a, a down, million. A downside and of then, a million, which was yeah, the downside. Which mm-hmm. was which was the downside of all the, like, top, like, I, I don't want to use any names, but just think well, of There's probably the, only three or four people making that. Exactly. Much, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name mm-hmm. names, but you can you can yeah. probably guess who I'm talking about. I mean, right. and, well, and I all mean, that was... Know, her sister said that she wanted to be making as much as, as The Rock and, and Steve Austin and people like that. Sure. And, you know, so she told me that story, and then I, I called Jim Ross, and uh, he confirmed it. He said, yeah, you sure. know... And, I was kind of surprised that that info hadn't been out there. It had been out there. I I told it several times. I guess people just didn't believe it coming from me, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't know, but I I was glad that we were able to get it out there again in a a story that was pretty widely read. And then the other thing was, you know, the the situation, when it comes to Kathy and the information she provided, uh, along with all the info about how she got into wrestling and what she was like as a teenager, I thought that was really interesting. But and the, you know, dyna- the situation and, with Triple H, yeah, and, and the uh, dynamic in their, of know. their relationship, and and that he he did treat her very well. He said that you know, she, excuse me, Kathy said that the Triple H was great to her, that he genuinely loved her, that he treated her really well, but that it was obvious uh, that it wasn't going to work. You know that you know China, you know, never had a real strong uh, sense of family. Uh, he did, and you know he was wanting to spend. You know when he was back in town from the road, he wanted to take some time to go see his his parents or his siblings, and and he wanted kids one day, uh, and and she wasn't having any part of that. Didn't like that, and it was just obvious that even though they loved each other, sometimes it's not always meant to be. And and so when it did fizzle there toward the end, you know she said she certainly wasn't surprised, and she Kathy, his China sister, certainly didn't hold any ill will toward Hunter, but she did say that the. The breakup did crush her, uh, you know, at the time, because that was the first time she had really, truly been in love. And you know how that feels when your first love, you know, when that ends, it's tough. So I I think that was something that Uh took her a while to recover from. I know. Well, that's kind of a great segue into this tweet 
that was sent by Bleacher Report after you published the story, um, a, a tweet that said, and I'll just quote, China found love with Triple H. With X-Pac, she found drugs and darkness. And as expected, Sean, I think you took quite offense to that. Is that right? Well, you can ask Jason <laughs> how I reacted. Did you get did you get a phone call that day, Jason? <laughs> no, no phone calls, but uh, my no, version of a phone call. I was in the call. Kansas City Royals baseball game, and my phone started blowing up, and I was like, what in the world is this? And, and he sent me a screenshot, and I, I knew immediately you know, that someone had made a mistake. That, that certainly uh, was not fair uh, to Sean. And it, it hurt me because of all the people <laughs> that – didn't deserve that uh it was him and because he gave me so much time was so cooperative i know he was reluctant to do it i know that there were trust issues and i think that would have been the case with any reporter you know i mean in in today's media and and, you know he finally did it he had tweeted out our story earlier he had been so great and then that happened and um the way that works is you know we have a social media team and every three hours they were tweeting out that story kind of with a new little I want to call it a headline, but a new little hook to try to get people to read. And, you know, one person, and I don't know who it was, honestly, it was just someone that just got a little careless, oh, probably didn't, you can tell probably only read 3,000 words of that story <laughs> instead of all 7,000, where if you would have read it at the end, you could have seen that he was trying to get China help uh, and the WWE. He was he was getting them to commit some funds to put her in rehab. She she declined that. He, he made the trip to her, uh, her funeral, her memorial, and was on the boat. I mean, that, to me... Shows a genuine sense of of, of compassion, and um, so for that tweet to go out, I mean, and it was, you know, very unfortunate. And I think everyone at our company, except for maybe the person that did it, you know, realized it was a mistake because it was taken down. Hopefully, and even that not only guy that, does. an apology was issued, which uh, which is rare. You know, I, you I was going to say that, Jason. I was I was very surprised. Um, I was I was happily surprised to to see that tweet from them, yeah. and. You know, as much as I, I was like, I don't need a, an apology, and the guy that sent out the tweet can just go up themselves and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But the truth of the matter is an apology goes a long way, especially with me. Right. Because I'm not the guy yeah. that like uh, that holds on to grudges very much. There's a few. Well, you know, people about. make mistakes. And, I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's unfortunate that a mistake by, made by one person can, you know, reflect negatively on an entire company. But even the guy that made the mistake probably feels terrible about yeah. it. Again, he probably read up to the part where the story was talking about you and China in, in, in 2005. Maybe he got a phone call, maybe whatever. He didn't read the rest. You know, it, it was just it, it was careless, and, and we can't be that way. And it, it doesn't excuse it. It's just, a you know, an unfortunate situation. But... I'm glad you accepted the apology, and I'm glad you realized that, uh, you know, it was it was one person, and and everyone totally. felt terrible about it. Oh, I totally do, and and you did a great job, Jason. The only one thing I Thank was you. curious about, you, when mm-hmm. when you talked about, and this really isn't that big of a deal, but when you when you talked about Kathy coming and and, and taking Joni away to uh, to mm-hmm. to try to get her into rehab, why didn't Correct. why did you say it was uh, from uh, a friend or something, because I mean, I mean, I told you the story. It was it was my it was me that actually called Kathy to to have her come because I was too messed up to do anything about it, and I just I knew she needed help. You know what? You did tell me that, and I did have it in the story initially. Um, I think that don't want to make me look you, too good in the story, that, do we? Well, <laughs> but no, basically, yeah. I mean, basically, I need all the you told me the that back I can get, Jason. You want to tell it, or do you want me to? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I just remember you telling me that during that time you were both, 
you know, going through issues and, and you were kind of messed up yourself and you knew that she needed help, but you knew that you weren't the one that, to do it. You couldn't take care of her at that point because you were having enough issues of your own. So you called her sister. You said, get out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's got to help her. And she was on the plane the next day. Yes. Um, that was in the story initially. As I told you, it was 8,500 words. They wanted to get it down to 7,000. They wanted to get right to that scene of her in the bathroom uh, doing the mess, uh-huh. and it just got cut for for length. And I I didn't cut it, and but the thing you know, is, that's, is the wor- the worst part come. about the worst part about that whole situation was that ended up being what ruined uh, what what um, got Joni to ostracize Kathy and accuse her mm-hmm. of of some of the same things that Anthony's being accused of now. So right. And right. you know, I find it's it, and it's it's kind of sad, you know. And this, I, I'm I, you. You sent me a link to the story about you know the uh, the accusations of you know whatever's happened. China's to, mom. Yeah, China's mom. And really, like, okay, she didn't even know her daughter. They didn't. I mean, they hadn't talked in I I don't know. It had to be thirty years and. 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, that, that rubs me the wrong way, too. And uh, she's, she's alleging you know, she's that Anthony uh, stole from China, is yes. that right? and I could I could give you a list of things that I don't agree with how Anthony handled things, but mm-hmm. um, I that doesn't mean the guy stole, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a pattern there that's, that's gone on over and over again. I think you probably found it during your research, Jason, that, I mean... Th- these accusations are are some they were kind of a re- reoccurring thing in her life well absolutely and as far as the mom i, I know because i've seen correspondence and, and and heard things that um you know up until a month ago she and anthony were emailing on a friendly basis they were emailing during the pre- preparation for the memorial service and everything was fine and supposedly what i've heard and this is somewhat secondhand information but i feel good about it is the mom at some point went to a psychic in the last month or two, and someone said that uh, Anthony's stealing money or stole money from China, and now she feels like driven to. And Matt, how know, ironic go, coming go from a, how ironic <laughs> coming from a tarot reading tarot card reading psychic. She herself yeah. is. <laughs> no, I'm just so saying she, she went so, to see a I mean, psychic. The, the issue is, is she she feels like she and her family are entitled, and and Kathy is, by the way. Not involved in any of this. Oh, I know. <laughs> so I can argue. She's mad that she, she thinks she should get some of the, the property that belonged to China. I think there was a small amount of cash that was in her apartment when she was found. And then there's even a cello. And if you remember, Sean, she at her memorial service, I thought lady. it was one of the more moving parts of the service. Yes. China obviously was a very good celloist. She was taking classes in Redondo Beach. Uh, and there was a, a high school senior out there that's going to Stanford, I believe, on a music scholarship, but she's somewhat underprivileged, doesn't have her own cello. Anthony gave her China's cello, which I believe is three or $4,000. The mom's mad about that. She wants the cello, and it's just ridiculous. Well, let's go, I mean, she let's hasn't go take to her the cello back. 30 years, legal, legally entitled to it or not. I mean, it's right. been 30 years. I think, it, I think it's a bad look for her. So we can, I mean, do we want to give the mother the address of the child so she can go and uh, repossess the cello? <laughs> Right. Come on, exactly. give me a break. Yeah, it's she. She, yeah, she's she's not making herself look good at all, and and uh, you know she she hasn't talked to, to Kathy in twenty years either. I don't think so. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, but listen, I, I don't want to drag anyone's character to the mud. I mean, she was in a, in a very difficult marriage, sure. as the story talked about. Uh, you know, when China was a, a teenager, and there was a, a lot of abuse there, and you know, people have different issues they're working through. So I'm not going to attack the lady's character, but I certainly don't buy the the stuff she's saying right now 
I agree. Okay. Yeah. Jason, dude, I, pre I appreciate you coming on here because, I mean, I don't know. You probably didn't know one way or another what what was waiting for for you on this end. I mean, um, but you were great. You did a great job on the story. I, I, I do. We did talk about this. Um, you know, I wish you, uh, in hindsight, it would have been good to talk to Eric Anger, Anger the, the documentarian. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, that know, whole situation confused me because I've, I've always been told, and even when you look up the, the name of her documentary online, it says there's two producers, Eric and Anthony. Anthony gave me a three-hour interview. He spent so much time with her in the last year. I just figured, what am I going to get new from Eric? I mean, I figured, do I need to do three-hour interviews with both of her documentarians, especially after I talked to like 25 other people? I just felt like I had a good grasp on it. But, you know, in retrospect, you know, obviously, I, I probably should have, but you know, uh, I, uh, man, you know. still amazing job on on the story, and uh, and I just thank you, thank you for telling the story. Uh, you know, well, like I said, the, so the I could have done it without out you. And every time someone says, you know, what's your main takeaway from this? Well, I mean, obviously, my main takeaway is the the stuff I got for the story. But you know, just getting the chance to hang out with you was I was so encouraged by. Everything you've got going, and the and the and the talents that you're finally getting to, to to show on the podcast and other areas, I'm glad someone's recognized it. And I thought, man, you know, you're in a good spot right now. I'm in and a I'm, great spot. I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Best the best time I spent on that story was the, the two hours me and you and, and Carrie were sitting on the on the freeway. Uh, you know, when I was taking you across town, you were probably ready to get out of the car, but I was really enjoying the conversation. We, so I, I wish you the best in all this. And, I, uh, I drove Jason. Uh, I, I brought Jason up to the gates of the Playboy Mansion. Mm -hmm. yeah, I tried to that. climb over, but they wouldn't let me. But, uh, uh, don't worry, there's not a whole lot going on there yeah. anymore. No, he anyway. did. He gave me a nice little tour of uh, of Hollywood too. So it was it was a good time. And the Rainbow Rooms is going to be a must must stop every time I. Isn't it the greatest? Nothing. You you should have been there for oh. the Le for the Lemmy statue unveiling, but that's another story. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, I saw you tweeting about that, and yeah. and even the pizza was good at, at two it's in the best morning. Best in the so. world. Of course, usually any pizza is good at two in the no, morning. No, 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 Rainbow the Rainbow Barn Girl Pizza. That's the pizza you eat with a fork. See, so if yeah. you need to find Sean for a future story, you know where to go look for him now. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> All right, thank y'all very much. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was incredibly insightful. Wow. It was pretty cool, Jason, to come on. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah he, and he sure. really, really did a good job on that. Yes, to really to understand the work that he went through and how many people he talked to, knowing that, I mean, when you read the article, you understand that you're getting a true side of China that we maybe haven't seen a whole lot. Sure. But to hear that he really put that work in, I, it's very impressive. Yeah. And, and, and it did shed light on a lot of things that, you know, Claims that were made against one of my dearest friends in the right. world, Paul. And, you know, Paul never really got on the defensive on any of that. He yeah. never really, you know, got involved. And in I didn't do this I mean, until it got to the point where he was accused of physical abuse. Uh, then he had to, you know, put a <laughs> statement out. But, you know, um, I'm just happy that, you know, hopefully people can understand that it wasn't just this big... You know, everybody's out against China thing back mm -hmm. then. It was it was pretty. You know, it was a lot going on. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's so great to get your take. And that's kind of what we want to offer people is your unique insight on these stories. And I just want to remind everybody that we're available on YouTube and iTunes. Please rate, comment, and subscribe. We appreciate it. And if you actually use a podcast app that you can't find us on, you can help us submit to that app. So just copy our RSS feed, which is available in the description box, and you can find the app support email on their website. It's usually very easy to find and let them know that you want to see X-Pac 12360. In the meantime, keep downloading us on iTunes. Rate, comment, and subscribe. And on that note, I think it's time for the X-Pac 12360 News of the Week. And now, X-Pac 12360 Wrestling News. Yeah. I love that. You like that? You like that? We're coming out with something new every week for you folks here. And this headline has been grabbing attention all over the blogosphere this week. Billy Corgan in talks to become a majority owner of TNA Wrestling. So he has about a 30% stake now, but he wants to become the majority owner. He joined Impact as a senior producer in May of 2015. Yes, this is the Smashing Pumpkins guy for everyone who hasn't been watching. Last August, he started investing in the company and became the president. And now there are actually reports that WWE and Sinclair Broadcast Group, which is an owner. Sinclair, yes, Yes. is uh, the owner of Ring of Honor. They're rumored to have made bids on TNA. And while that has remains to be seen if that is true or not, we do know who does have a stake in the company, and that is still Dixie Carter is still majority owner, Corgan's in there, Aerolux Marketing, and then Canada's Fight Network. Wow. That's a Fight TV network. All have a stake in this, so they've all got a say. And another big, another big detail here is that they're basing the value on WWE's market value, which is two times revenue, which would put TNA at about $40 million. And um, some <laughs> Dave, Dave Meltzer no kind of laughed at that and said, why don't, you, why don't you take off a zero? But, you know, UFC was sold for $4 <laughs> wow. billion, dollars, and they're factoring that in as well. Billy Corgan Apples says, I can get anyone I want to listen to my vision. So he is bound and determined to take over TNA and make the, it great. I agree with him on that. And, and, and I have a fantastic relationship with, with Billy. He's, oh. he's such a brilliant guy. You and, know all the rock stars. It's pretty God. cool. Because I always wanted to be a rock star. I just couldn't sing. <laughs> anyway, no. You'd have been a great hype man. No, Billy's yeah, just dude. awesome. He, he has a really cool vision. It's, it's you know, might not be everybody's cup of tea or whatever, but like mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. And uh, and he's so passionate about the industry. And I was saying this before when we were talking to uh, Justin Credible last week. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't believe for a second that Billy had really had you know full say so and you don't until you have majority uh control majority mm-hmm. interest in the company so i hope that happens for billy because other if not i don't care what anybody says dixie carter is still gonna have her finger and you know on in the, the pulse the, yeah. do you think that uh, we're seeing his vision now with like what the hardys are doing on TNA and what like uh, EC3 is getting to do on TNA like do you think that's in Billy's head like they're pitching him those ideas and he's like I love it run with it go I think th- I think I think that I think so 
that was hard for me to spit that part out. <laughs> da, well, da, 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 da. Do you keep abreast yes. of what's going on at TNA? Not as much, but I do know that, like, okay, like the final deletion thing just seems like something that Billy would be behind. He'd be all in on that. Yeah, see, I, and that's what's so great. Like, yeah. that's what makes them different right yeah. now. Is like they're like theatrical and like a little bit of cheesy cornball but it's like just enough but it gets people talking either you love it or you hate it but you're still watching it Mm -hmm. you know which is what they need they need viewers they need people talking and spreading the word and i think it's great i still wish they would you know get rid of the name and just you know that was the the, the whole brand i talked about the brand being tainted i i I really believe that and it doesn't mean it's irreparable but it's going to take a lot of work. That was the thing I was going to bring up last night on SmackDown. Is like, what if they pretend someone buys the company and just change the name and bring it back? Oh, under they did like that. the whole kayfabe thing. You well, know, like, they did that in World Class Championship Wrestling when they changed it into USWA. I don't know. If they you, pretended someone bought it and yeah, just changed the name. Yeah, all they did was just put a different banner up in, in the sportatorium. Because like, they tried it with Impact. We're Impact Wrestling now. No more TNA. But people were already so used to TNA Here's that it'd have to be like a drastic, like like how like when the Hardys started Omega, it was like, we don't want anything wrestling, three letters, no. We want Omega. This right. is Omega. Organized modern extreme grappling artists. Like, Omega. That's us. Like, that's An what we're going to be called. Yeah, like, just something different so it's not like, like something it's AWA, WWE, WWF, TNA, ROH, WCW. Like, there's yeah. so many three-letter companies it, that have wrestling in them yeah. that just like... Make it something different. So, like, them trying to do that with Impact, but it didn't already work because everyone had TNA built in their brain. So maybe if they, like, pretend and that it gets sold. Here's the thing about, and, and I was, I'm talking about the brand being tainted, this or that. WCW's brand at one point seemed irreparably tainted. Mm-hmm. And still, uh, it still, you know, came, it still rose out of the ashes with, you know, the talent, ra- uh, the talent raid and, you know, Eric Bischoff coming into power and having his vision. And uh, so it's, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, TNA can't be uh, dusted off and brought back. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have some great ideas for a new beginning for TNA. And so we'll move on to what could have been someone's finish in the ring. Oh, I like that. Okay. (laughs) Terry Funk. Don't worry, everybody. Terry Funk is alive and well in Texas after what was an exhausting weekend. Now, get this. On Saturday night in Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena, he made a little speech. He was at Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore show. And um, Terry Funk made the speech, and he said that he didn't want to leave the ring that night because he was worried that it may be for the last time. We now know what he was talking about. He actually underwent surgery for a hernia on September 12th, and he was supposed to be resting in bed. He was supposed to keep his butt in bed doctor's orders but he didn't want to miss his bookings for house of hardcore on saturday and sunday so he got up at 4 a.m on friday flew to laguardia appeared at the new york show drove to philadelphia arriving at 4 a.m the next morning signed autographs all day and then finally kind of tapped out asked dreamer if he could leave early and uh dreamer let him do that so he's now joking terry's now joking that he has another appointment with his doctor in 10 days to see if he could be cleared to get out of the house his doctors have say, no so idea that he traveled cle- all weekend. So he could be cleared to get back in the ring? Yeah. I thought, I thought he was I had, cleared for retirement. Like I was talking to 
Peach last week. I, was, I thought I had Terry's last match with him, but apparently not. You, st- <laughs> you still could, I guess. I Hopefully. I filmed him versus Roddy Piper at PWG at one of the wrestle reunions, and they went toe-to-toe, and it was amazing. Like, didn't miss a beat. Everything was, like, so awesome. We were all just like, man, Terry Funk can still go. And both like, of them still hit really yeah, hard. it was crazy. Bleeding everywhere. And it was just, and I was thinking, like, man, when I was a kid watching Beyond the Mat, you were retiring, and now I'm yeah. filming a show you're wrestling Roddy Piper on. You know, it was insane. It's so crazy. And to think that, like, he's still, like, I wonder if it wouldn't have been for House of Hardcore and Tommy Dreamer if he would have just stayed home. He but because of his yes. relationship with Tommy Dreamer, he's like, oh, I can't do that to Dreamer. I, he wouldn't even have taken the booking, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, there's a huge, there's a really special relationship there between Terry Funk and uh, Tommy Dreamer. Because I remember when ECW was getting brought back and WWE was doing, like, the ECW One Night Stand. Mm-hmm. There was another like um, hardcore revolution thing that was going on, and Terry Funk was booked at that show, and yes. he gave a speech that was like, "At my body and my age right now, I can only do like one show a year, so I had to make a choice." And he chose that, mm-hmm. which was like really showing fans like he's still loyal to the ECW brand. What the hell was the name people. of that? And they tried to do a tour with that. They did like hardcore homecoming, hardcore November homecoming. to yeah. remember. That's right. Yeah, like November. To remember, I think, and then yeah, they were trying to like make it like Tommy Dreamer has done brilliant with House of Hardcore. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, well, what was like the ECW structure? Well, let's keep that going. So we just announce a bunch of cool people people want to see. We don't tell them what matches they're gonna get, but we show them like, look at all these cool people you could come watch wrestle, and they come and they have a great time. I went to one House of Hardcore show. And it was amazing. It was probably it's the closest fun, thing yeah. to an ECW show I'll ever get. It was so and cool. You know, the, the match that I had with Terry, the tag match, Lance Storm and I versus Terry and uh, Funk and Tommy Dreamer from Poughkeepsie, mm. it was sold out. Legit sellout. And TNA came, I don't know, uh, um, and they even were there that night to shoot an angle for their pay-per-view they were doing in the same building, and they couldn't put as many people in there as <laughs> we did. <laughs> oh, surprise, surprise. They're like, get a lot of shots of the B-roll. We'll just use it in ours. <laughs> Well, from some guys who we are happy refuse to leave the ring, on to someone who is returning to in-ring action. Luke Harper has been cleared, WWE's Luke Harper, to return. He is officially cleared. He was given the green light by WWE Docs, but it is unclear as to which brand he will be coming to when he returns because he was not drafted during the July draft because he was out. So we all know he was injured back in March, dislocating his patella and tearing his MPFL ligament. And Sean, you were actually at that show, is that right? I was there. Uh, it was, it, matter of fact, the incident happened in, in one of these, okay, we're off the air now, so let's go out there and feed the baby face and let the people go home happy. You um. know what I, when I, when I mean feed the baby face, run out there and just, take, you know, let the baby face, let the good guy beat the crap out of you. Yeah. And it was one of those things that it was totally, okay, none of it aired on TV and he comes back. You know, he has to be carried back. It's really an unfortunate way to go down. Uh, you want, I mean, if you're going to get injured, you want it to be like WrestleMania match or oh, yeah. something like that. Not in some, not, a, not in a battle Royal or a schmaz or things like that. I, I felt so bad for him, man. 
Well, yeah, it just makes my stomach turn any time that happens in a match. When they throw up that X, and you just... I've been backstage and hearing guys just just wail and cry in pain, and, I, I mean, it's... It's it's earth shaking. It's really to think that someone's career could be over in a moment, or even be over for a few months, and to them, that's the end of the world. Especially when you're when you're not quite established with the people yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting there, but you don't quite have that emotional equity built up yet. Right. You can't. It's that old Randy Savage. Don't never you never take yourself out of the game, brother. But we don't have a choice anymore. They take us out mm-hmm. when we're hurt. We, we we can't stay in. And thank God, because we'd all be in, like, you know, on our deathbeds having wrestling matches if, <laughs> if we were allowed to. But I, I hope it all works out for, for, uh, for, sure. for him, man. And uh, who knows? I guess put him in, on, in there with where Rowan is. Yeah, because they've kind of broken up the Wyatt family with the draft. So it'll be interesting to see where So is it just Braun is just on Raw and then Bray and Rowan are on SmackDown, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so I will keep you all posted as to where he lands because I am your AfterBuzz TV managing editor and chief correspondent of our pro wrestling news division. And this has been your Xbox 12360 news for the week. I am so excited to say we will be right back with Diamond Dallas Page. That's right, and before we get to our interview, just a quick reminder to follow the show on all of our social networks. We've got our Facebook page, which is XPOC12360 Show. You can follow us on Instagram at XPOC12360. Our Twitter account, follow Sean, the man himself, at The Real XPOC. And make sure to, to subscribe on YouTube and iTunes or wherever podcasts can be heard. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us in studio now, a man who found success first as a manager, going on to score tag team titles with partners from the likes of Kevin Nash to Jay Leno. The Attitude Era saw him as an NWO foe, and he has most currently helped over 50 wrestlers and a ton of other folks find their zen as the mastermind behind DDP Yoga. Please welcome to the show the hardest working man in pro wrestling, Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yay. I appreciate it. <laughs> and that is a fact about the hardest working man part. Uh, it was, uh, it was, that was a great journey, man. That was a great journey. And I like to, when, when we're talking about both companies, I like to refer to it as the Monday Night Wars era. Oh, dude, the best ever. Yeah, because you know, like the Attitude Era kind of just makes you think of WWE. Yeah, it, and it wasn't. It was so much more Especially than when we were kicking their ass. Yes. <laughs> you know, so you really, you got to take it to the Monday Night Wars. And they're sort of skewed a little bit you know, off of WWE. I mean, it's the WCW. Pretty but, honest con- considering, like, no, the I winner writes the history, right? No, dude, no, absolutely. And I've always said that. The winner writes the history, so I get that. And uh, I'm just so glad that these kids today, like I have kids all the time come up to me, they're eight, nine years old. Dude, you're my favorite wrestler. I'm thinking, you got the network, right? Right. <laughs> it's you know, mind-blowing, man. I'll take it, though. Hell yeah. You know, the, it, the, uh, it reminds me of the 80s when uh, the, you know, the 80s music came back and had all, all that. It was really like in 2000, I think that happened. All of a sudden, you know, the 80s became like the 50s music was for us right. growing up. You and, know? Then, and, then, and then the music we grew up on. 
one ends up being the Muzak that you listen to in the in the elevator or in the uh, department store, yeah, right? Some it's called commercials hell? or commercials. Yeah. But we had the greatest music ever, man. You know, because you didn't have to be pretty to to be able to play music. No, don't. I love that. Well, I know you want to get started by talking about DDP yoga because you have some fun new things that yes. you guys are up to. Let's jump right into it. Well, you know, one thing it's really, it, it's about DDP yoga, but it's not. It's really, it's it's a brand new app that we came up with and it's called the DDP Video Wake Up Alarm Clock. Now, I know The Rock, he beat me to the alarm clock, which I couldn't believe that, how did he, How I'm building it for two years. Parallel thinking. Yeah, but great. And yes. I can do anything that's anything like the rock who i am the biggest fan of on the planet because we know yes biggest star in the world right now the, absolutely. the rock and he's one of us yes. so i'm really 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 proud of uh him on a lot of different levels and when he came out with the alarm clock i was saying please he didn't do a video one though did he because that had never been done everybody's done an alarm clock at one point or another they have some kind of alarm clock uh he made it cool but what we did we made it inspiring and funny, some of them. Like, I saved one right here, which is one of our... Uh, this would be in a version of one of the funnier ones that we did. If you can pop that up there. Who so is this? This is actually... You'll see. Okay. Pop it up. Can we get that to play? Red button, right? Woo! Woo! It's Jake. Wow! Monkey, get out of bed. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> I thought we were going to wow. see something. Uh, I'm we ready some... to do this day now. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought we were gonna, I thought we were going to see something completely different. I didn't realize he was sending me the trailer to it, uh, my buddy Steve Yu. But uh, you can see there's a bunch. That's a compilation. Yes. Compilation of different of wake up calls. Of a bunch of them. Yeah, well, explain to our podcast listeners who can't see the video what, what we saw. Oh, yeah, head. right. I forgot. Some parts video, some parts not. Um, the uh, the video that we just saw was Wade Keller. You've yes, known him. You've known him course. since you were a kid. All my life. Yeah, since I was, you know, first broke into business. I was 31 as a manager. And uh, I was doing his one of his podcasts and he, I said so how are you doing with the program he goes yeah. you know D I love it you know it's real I feel so much better he goes I just wish and this is like four years ago he says this to me I just wish you could call me up every morning and wake me up and say yo monkey get on the mat <laughs> and I hung up the phone thinking video wake up alarm clock so you know everything every dream you've ever had it starts in your brain and this right here, uh, we've got a lot of inspirational stuff on there, too. I've got a lot of great quotes, like right on the front page of, and anybody, it's free. The, uh, the oh, video. that's great. Yeah, if they go online right now and just download it on their iPhone or their, I, or their Droid or whatever. I built it on all four platforms. Uh, I built it on the iPhone, the iPad, the Droid, and the tablet, which means it costs four times more than it normally would, for one. But it's worth it for me to have it on everything. And it's not just about DDP yoga. Am I wearing the DDP yoga shirt 
Absolutely. Uh, are there things that are references to DDP yoga in it? But it's really for anybody that used to get up in the morning. Like on the front page, there's two different like pages you can see. One that has this really cool, like um, almost like a very industrial type look, and, and the bricks are broken out. And if you look through the bricks, you'll see the wheels turning, and the, you know, you'll see sparks going in there. And um, it also has mood things, like if you want to sleep, you, it's got the ocean. Got the thunder and rain. Uh, it's got you know streams. We've got those things, but it's also got the inspire button. Like some people inspire me, and it might be I, I might have a quote that comes from Einstein. Uh, Einstein once said, uh, "It's not that I'm so smart; it's just I stick with the problem longer." Uh-huh. You know things like right. that that make you think. And I might throw that into a, you know today's your video. You know today's your inspirational quote of the day to wake up to and I might use something like that or something from Ali or something from Henry Ford and then I'll tell a story about it to get you up again you know like under two minutes to get you up and if you're not out of bed yet boom it'll play again and uh, other times it's me knocking on your window like of your phone yo monkey cupcake get out of bed you know uh, don't make me come in there and there's one video where you're going to feel I'm actually coming into your room. So hit the workout button. <laughs> kind of like kind of like when you have to run over to Scott's house and right. knock on the door. Hey, monkey. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on, answer the door. I yeah. know you're in there. <laughs> you, you've really done that, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God, more than uh, once. <laughs> but I tell you, I'm so proud of him right now. He's, you know, he, he's yeah. doing so great, and uh, and we'll probably get into a bit later. But yeah. you know, I don't even know if he'd even still be here if it wasn't for... You know, kid over there, call. You know, getting down through through Twitter of all things. Yeah, Twitter you, DM. You DM yeah. me on Twitter, and might as well just go right to that. Let's talk sure. about that yeah. a second. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I don't really pay attention to my DM too much. You know, I I didn't even know what it was, and but I just have to be learning more about Twitter. This is almost four years ago, it's right? Been, yeah, yeah, around that. Uh, maybe even like five. Because no, I, I think I, it was I August was still of two thousand eleven. I was still in Florida at the time. And I and honestly and Dally, I would I had I had my own stuff going on. I hadn't right. gotten myself uh, nearly close to being right yet, but I was doing better than Scott. But right. when you're when you're messed up, you really have no business like trying to save others. Right, right. And right. I, I just man, I just knew he he was going to die. There, I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, Dally, you know, he was going. To die, well, and I didn't know what to do, man. And you're the, and and I knew what was going on with you and Jake, and and I knew you that you and you and uh, Scott were tight, you know. And and that was my uh, that was like kind of like my last hope. Yeah, what what the, the, uh, paraphrasing, of course, but it was something along the line of uh, he's like, got he's, a, he's talking about Scott, getting a gun, getting a gun, and, and going to kill himself. Yeah, and you know, I believe him this time. Yeah, and literally, I'm in my in my. Living room, well, actually, my living room's here. My kitchen's right here. Jake's there. Uh, Steve Yu is director of the film. You know, he's standing there, and uh, I said, uh, he walked up to me filming because we had film film going all the time, and I'm just talking to you know to uh, to Steve about it, and I said, you know, I've called him like twenty times over the last ten years, never returned my phone call, never picked up the phone. So literally. I don't know. It's Jake's walking by me. I go, Jake, you want to get in this? Uh, and I don't even expect him to pick up the phone. Right. And then he does. And that message, you know, we 
you captured all of that. And I didn't know if we were ever going to use it because I would never have used it if he didn't come. Right. You know, if he didn't come, then I would, you know, left it out. But uh, but he did, you know, eventually come. But it took like from that phone call, what you know, and yeah, he don't and that's how he anyway. always that's how he always answered yeah. the phone was yeah. was just that like barely alive. What? Yeah. But then when he when he figured out it was you, you could actually hear yeah. him for a couple of like, that. Dally. Yeah. And then so Jake happy. Jake chimed in and he went, and he told Jake I'm dying Jake. Yeah, you know one of the things that, uh, that I know in my career like when what's really crazy is that when Scott came back from Germany that one year I was in WCW as a manager at the time and Scott had come back from uh, Germany and WWE wouldn't return his phone call. He'd already been in WCW twice, so they weren't returning his phone call. So he came through me and I had an idea for the Diamond Stud. You know, we we all know what Scott. A lot of the fans don't sure. know Scott Hall used to have big, you know, blonde, you know, fluffy hair, the big old bushy mustache. Yeah, that that was his look, and I knew that I couldn't bring him in like that. And uh, you know, I asked if he'd be willing to dye his hair and change his gimmick. His wife was pregnant with Cody at the time. Yeah. You know, that's how long ago that was. And, uh, you know, I, I put it all together. He came got to my house, and his hair was like, he didn't dye it. He had, like, put some coloring in, so it was, like, mousy brown. And I go, that's not going to cut it. So I took him to the girl and my hair out. <laughs> and we blacked his hair out. And uh, and um, and I'm like, dude, you got to... Sh-. I told him earlier, because I he always says Rob Lowe, but it was actually... I was watching MTV the night before he's going to come up. Yeah. I've got him to try out. He's got to drive up from Florida, though. Eight-hour drive. They're not flying him in this time. And... Uh, you know, uh, I'm watching this uh, video, and George Michael, remember how hot he was at the time? He was, yeah. like, red hot in the and 80s. he had the 5 o'clock shadow Right, deal. and yeah. no one had that. No, there was no John Hamm. There was nobody who had that. You know, Dick Tracy, I think, had it in the comics. But uh, he had that look going, and I just picked up the phone, Louie, I'll do it. Oh, it was 2 in the morning. But I'm calling him, Scotty. Allie, what? My wife's sleeping. You can't call me like this. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I got, all right, I, I'm sorry, sorry. You got to shave the mustache. And it completely stopped him in his track. Because when he had that mustache, he was like 11. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a hairy son bitch, you know? you know? And he's like, I go, you got to sh- shave the mustache. He goes, Dally. I've had this mustache forever. I go, that's exactly. the point. <laughs> you got to grow the shadow. Yo, yeah. Scott has it. If he shaves at eight in the morning, he's got the shadow by two, not that's five. Yeah. He's got it by two. And uh, when he got there, and I saw that look with that, you know, that jawline is. He looked like Superman. And 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 Scott Scott tells a story about him coming in the locker room and guys he'd known for years had yeah. no idea. Who the hell he even was? Yeah, that that was really cool. Wow, it freaked them out. Imagine being yourself, and now you're walking among people you grew up with, and no one, like literally, it was you saw them last six months ago, a year ago. Yeah. So he says to me, he goes, Tommy Rich has to remember me. Now he's sitting here in front of me, and Tommy's behind him, and he goes, Say, hey Tommy, you remember Diamond Stud, right? Hey, Tommy, you remember Diamond Stud, right? And, you know, Tommy's eating. He looks up like, yeah, hey, hey, Stud. And Scott did the slow turnaround. He goes, you don't remember me. And he got scared. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He right, got yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah. And, he like, and then he went, you don't know me. Uh, s- 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 
Scotty, and he was so relieved when he found out it was him. <laughs> and uh, he was off and running to the races there. But where we ended up in this spot, you know, coming into WCW, that's what gave Razor Ramon the look, you know, to end up becoming a, a juggernaut. And so I had helped him there, and then when he came in WCW, that whole thing with the NWO, the you Super were there. Dome. When I got to drop those guys, if they, yes. if Scott didn't agree to it, and it was my idea because no one else was coming up with the idea for me, you know. So I, I, I always you felt did after like, like I mean everything you got like it was teeth. yeah you were pulling teeth. I was man, and you know because you were there. I do know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know, I never forgot that. You know, and uh, we we talked about it in the resurrection, Jake the Snake. Uh, I don't ever forget the people who helped me. And, and the thing is, it's like okay, somebody could say, well, they could have done that with anybody, whoever. The first guy would have got to them would have been no, mm-hmm. no, n- nobody else would have worked except you. Yeah, really, no one else would have worked yeah, except was, you in that situation. It was it was, like, it was it was it was God's way of paying me back. You know, <laughs> and you yeah. remember how pissed off I was that night. Oh yeah, because what had happened was. It was supposed to be 12 minutes for the match and the angle. By the time I get there, it's 10. By the time I start stretching out, it's 8. Uh-oh. By the time I get to the curtain, it's 4, four minutes Including entrances. Everything! I was cursing so much. Kev, Kev! And Kev just looked at me and goes, Dally, what do you always say to me? I go, I don't know. What the beep, beep, beep do yeah. I say to you? He's like, breathe. <laughs> he said, "It's live." Yeah, you, when, you're gonna go as long as you need to go. Right. You Let were, somebody else contract or expand. <laughs> and uh, I went out there, and uh, it, a bank shot diamond cutter was something. I threw you in the turnbuckle, and I hit the rope, bounce off the rope, and catch you perfectly. Usually, you had to just be leaning. Mark Starr had done it with me before. I don't know how, but he hit that turnbuckle, staggered out perfectly. And then he dove, face forward. I'm going, what the hell is he doing? So I dove at him, like maybe a foot and a half from the mat, and caught him, and the place exploded. But it wasn't the one I wanted. So, you know, if you ever watch me turn him over, I am fuming. Oh, you sound like I'm me. So <laughs> if it just doesn't go just how you are, oh, oh God, I get like that, too. God, God. Whatever. So bad. <laughs> and they came in and we did the angle and Scott took perfect diamond cutter. Kev went over to the top. And you want to talk about God looking out for somebody? If you ever see that in slow motion, watch Kev go over the top. He wanted to go through the table, but he went out too far, so he didn't go through it. So he grabs it and like pulls it to create motion. Right. But the edge of that table, the this you know, the, the things that the sure. table stands on, are flying at a person who is right on the other side of the railing. Like, thank God those railings are there. It hits there, completely misses the person, but it literally, like, right in their face, and the thing goes down. Like, he could have, like, killed somebody doing that. Bones. You know, things like that happen all the time, right? God just shines on us, and we're wow. lucky. And I took off through the crowd. I was so mad. I went through the back, grabbed all my stuff, went to the bar, and just started drinking. And I'm thinking, all right, I got to see it. I got to see that diamond cutter. How bad did it look? You didn't know I, at I think the time I, that I you just blew the roof off the place and life had just changed for you forever? I, I really, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't appreciate it because I was so mad because I wanted it to be perfect. I worked so long for it to get to that spot that I have to go back and see it. I, I That's why I feel 
filmed everything I ever did because you're too critical of yourself. You've got to see it. So I see the diamond cutter. Yeah. I go, okay, I can live with that. You know what I mean? The place went crazy. Oh, my God, it's pop. Now, if Stone Cold Steve Austin does something to Vince McMahon at the 9 o'clock hour, how many times would we have seen that between then and closing out the show? How many times? Half a dozen times. Minimum, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. How many times did I play it for me? None. Zero. <laughs> I was so... That's where the drinking really got heavy. And of all times, I was like Scott Hall that have taken care of me. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, Dal, you, you had a... I, I, I always remember you'd have a beer or two here and there, but I'd never, I'd never recollected seeing you drunk. Uh, I've been drunk a few times. Oh, I know, but I, I mean, to... not like... Not yeah, like you not, were that night. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, remember when, I don't know if you were you there when it was when I was screwing with the Ghostbuster with uh, yes, uh, yeah, that was Dan the night Ackerman. I punched. That was the same night I punched Brian Nobbs and, oh, you, and you and you and Scott Norton broke got in the middle of it and broke oh, it up. God, I don't remember more, any of that. More details, please. <laughs> oh yeah, let's. Hear oh, we were in the House of Blues. Uh, no, I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Scott's in front of me, and Scott's just tanked, and that incident happened with Jerry Sags and then them guys. Hitting Scott, and right, 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 right. And that already happened. That was earlier in the tour. Earlier in the yeah, tour, but it kind of died yeah. down because Scott, you know, Scott is. Yeah, right. He just blew it off. But <sighs> we're walking through there, and Brian had already been like being the little bullies. You know, I Not, love Brian. I love him too, but he, he gets, you know, he gets he, yeah. Stuff. And I saw him in there, and he, you know, because Hogan was up on stage playing the bass. Right, right. What I a see, crazy time we had. Right. Man. And so I'm like, and, and Scott's ahead of me, and I'm right here, and I see, I see knobs, and I'm like. Oh shit! I don't want to like. Let me see if I can skate through here without knobs seeing me. So I just as I think I made it through, all of a sudden I feel somebody grab me by the back of the hair, yank my hair. My neck was already messed up, right? Right. And just paintbrush slapped me about three, four times across the back of the head. And I had already told myself, if he messes with me again in front of the boys, I'm knocking him out. And I just turned around, went bam. (laughs) <laughs> and he went up against the bar and Jerry didn't know and I have no problem with Jerry over this he didn't know what was up and that's uh, his boy he right. looked over at me and he went boom and he punched right. me in the nose and then here you and uh, Scott Norton were break it up god damn it ah! you guys are the boys I was, I, was in yeah. black, I was in blackout mode by the time that And I, I went in, I, wi- I wiped my nose up, I came back out, and I did a shot with those guys. Yeah, of course. And I said, of course. such a dick, Brian. Nobs called me yesterday, so I, I owe him a phone call. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a great time, you know, and uh, it's all... Oh, yeah, you, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you were talking about Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, Dan Aykroyd. It was crazy, too, right? Because he was walking around in, like, a police costume. Right, it was, like, undercover. I wasn't that yeah. like I wasn't doing dr- dr- like only thing I, I you're sure you I wasn't even drinking that. back then so like like I know that like I wasn't imagining that right, right. he was no, trying no. to keep he was like yeah like hey Ghostbusters yeah you're what you gonna do and I was yeah. screwed <laughs> from across the street Scott's like oh he said we're sorry you know, yeah sign my dollar Ghostbusters <laughs> he actually signed my dollar too which I right. I lost of course but I remember I remember that part I wonder and, what he, what the deal was I wonder if he was really patrolling was he a citizen on patrol that night. I just think he was trying to maybe be undercover and walk around his place, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it worked. No, it didn't. Not with us there. <laughs> but it was, you know, back to, you know, Scotty, and that's yeah. why when, you know, when you gave something that message, and I had so many people, 
you know, writing on YouTube because they'd watch all the stuff with Jake, you know, over that period, you know, like, man, you're doing so good with Jake. Could you please help Scott? I mean, I had, I mean, like. Before I even sent it, before I even got to you. Dozens. Yeah. Dozens of times. So I just took it as like, he's never going to do it anyway. But let me just reach out. And then when we started talking to him, you could feel, you could hear in his voice, because what's on the film, The Resurrection of Jake Sing, is only like maybe two and a half minutes. It was a 12-minute conversation. And there you really heard, like, hope come into Scott's yeah. voice. And what I was really happy about, because a lot of people say, so when are you going to do uh, Scott's, uh, you know, uh, movie? It's like, we don't have to, because he was in that one, and then he's on the Razor's Edge, the WWE yes. version. That sort of brought that all around full full circle for it him. Did, yeah. I thought it was really well done. And, and, and Dally, it could, if, 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 if the movie, if the documentary was scripted it couldn't have been scripted any better <laughs> the ending how everything turned out the happy ending if we would have tried to script that come on man no one would believe it i'm getting goosebumps no, on my right. goosebumps right now no, dude. But, i'll tell you one thing i gave I, this is my favorite line jake said to me after that uh we were getting something out of the refrigerator and i looked at jake and i said jake can you imagine if you and scott got sober in the same house, in the same year, he just sort of shook his head and went, Phew, I'll start getting your crown of thorns ready right now. <laughs> Did you bring it? Jake can say that, right? Did you bring it with you? <laughs> crown of thorns? Yeah. No. <laughs> but it just so, it was just like, you know, those two, there was a lot of this with them, too, in the house, Oh, too, yeah, no, know? yeah, I was, I was of, aware of that. Yeah, no ego in that house. Right. Me, Jake, Scott. Uh, but, I, I, you know, it was a really great time to, to, to watch, you know, them go through that, you know, really, the it was resurrection. also a very frustrating time for you at times that you yeah. can tell in the movie. <laughs> I can tell by talking to you at times. It was, uh, it was, it was trying at times. Scott, not so bad. Scott's more came after, and I understood that because Scott hadn't gone through the falls like Jake did. You know, he he was he was freaking like the best that you could be, and he snaps back so quick. Like, once you get him going back in the right path, yeah. he can go from bloated Elvis to looking like old oh Scott God, again in like a month. Any, I've never seen anybody. And perfect look like vitals. That. Look, hor- I mean, like, scary death horror. Right. Like, and again, he is very disciplined in what he eats. And that's the first thing when I brought the guys into my home or when I'm working with anybody. The first thing I do is get you eating real food, mm-hmm. because real food will heal your body. And I mean what That's God right. created, not genetically modified garbage. I'm talking about real food. And when you start to feel better, then you're more apt to work out. You know, and and you won't, you're not as hurting. So you know, with DDP Yoga in them, and doing the workout, they also are along with Arthur Borman, the disabled vet, the inspiration for my. It's not. It was called chairmaster, but I just found out I can't call it that. But where I teach people who are morbidly obese, I mean, I'm yes. talking about hundreds of pounds overweight, uh, elderly people, 50s, 60s up. Uh, I'm 60, so I'm elderly. Um, Which people, means you're probably 68. No, I'm 60. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love my age. I, you I, look I phenomenal, it. actually. You I look better than me. It. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, people who are really beat up. And uh, disabled vets, 
So you literally start some of the workouts in the chair. And I'm about to put up Zach Gowan. Yes. Zach. Zach is doing amazing. He's I read my, that. I read that you certified him. He's yeah. the first. Uh, he worked. You have to do it, man. It takes like four months to get certified. And that's, and you know, that guy's got, you know, he lost his like above the knee. Yes, it's way up there. Yeah. Way up there. So He's he, the first amputee to become certified with First the amputee. Yeah. Wow. And I have awesome. a series, like there's three workouts that I, there's two of them I have him actually call because it's him doing the workout and when you don't have you don't have another leg you have to have someone up there with you who does well the other guy is a disabled vet who's lost four of his fingers um his name is uh steven wright and he he also is from the knee down a uh, um a uh amputee and he's starting to study for his uh his certification right now too but he's a really cool dude you i know you've had to run into him he's got dreads black dude really cool dude. i'm, I'm sure, sure you, I ran, have. you ran into him somewhere and uh they're both doing the workouts and zach's calling it he's a superstar man like he has so much charisma uh he calls the workouts and they use the chair a lot not so much in the beginning as it goes on they use the chair where needed i do two of those workouts then I do a workout that I lead with those two behind me. That's like, like you got to be like intermediate to advanced. Do you guys do you guys call it in the ring or do you have a structured workout? Hundred percent call for me. Call it in the ring. 100%. I don't know. Maybe some people don't understand what we're right. talking about here, but right, right. Well, well, this is a wrestling themed show, so like you should understand. Call it in the ring. Well, you know, if people like I like to lay everything out, it's especially freestyle. in wrestling, and then go out there and use improvisation with. The monster right. preparation but for for when it comes to my workout like chris jericho and i were going to work out one day in the park back where i lived in la about five years ago and he's like we're walking there and he's saying so what do you do do you do energy one day do you do fat burner the next uh, you know strength builder i go chris i don't even know what's on those dvds because uh-huh. once i did it it's done and i'm always like that's what's so cool about ddp yoga now the app is that there's so many live workouts on there. And some of them are 20 minutes, some are 30, some are 40. Most of them are an hour because yeah. they're really get geared for intermediate to advanced. But if you're a beginner, you can do it because I've got eight, seven cameras going at all times. I've got a wide shot from the back. I've got a, and a close-up. I've got a 16-foot jib. I've got. Oh, you have a jib. I have a jib. Wow. In, in my production studio, man. <laughs> That's you pretty serious. When, when when Austin walked in my place, his his jaw dropped. And any of the boys who come through, their jaw drops. They're like, wow, because it's not just. You know, Austin was expecting a 1,500 square foot uh, soundstage, sure. but the soundstage part is just one piece of it i got 6300 square feet of corporate offices and we have six edit bays we've got a tricaster so we can go live with seven cameras anytime we want wow, that's incredible actually eight and then i've got two gopros up front when i'm down on them doing some of the stuff on my knees or straight any kind of lunge or whatever i'm talking right to you on these then i have another uh, gopro on a modifier so there's always someone modifying the position. Then there's a camera from behind me that goes into the crowd so you can see the energy of the room. And it's really interactive because people who think it's yoga, it is, it's not yoga. It's my version of what people need from yoga, rehab, calisthenics, exercise. And, and, but I remember at, at, at one point when you got into yoga, 
and I'd be standing there, I'd be watching you standing in the hallway with one foot over your head, balancing, <laughs> and I'm just like, how in the hell? Can I still, can never do that, ever. If you say you can or you say you can't, I'm you're talking right. about right at the moment. Now, ah, there you go. Yet. <laughs> In other words, yet. Because you put that yet, it makes it possible. So, um, but, I mean, but obviously you modified it, and you figured out mm-hmm. what worked, worked best for you. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody else, too. And there's also some dynamic tension, isometric Exactly. Stuff. A lot of engaging muscles, yes. just like lifting weights. So if you're in a lunge mm-hmm. or in a warrior position, you have to be engaging. You just have to. If you're standing up, you have to be engaging. When you go to curl weights, you're not just using your biceps. You're using your fingers, your hands, your forearms, your, your shoulders. You're using your legs. You're using your core. You're using everything. So I incorporate that stuff into it with no weights. Again, jacks your heart rate up. Uh, you know, it, it all comes back to rehabbing my body. And... What worked for me, I found works for just about everybody. And one of the things, uh, maybe we can go to that one video, because I, I, I wanted to, can you pull up that one video that it might have said fat burner on it? Uh, just to see, yeah, this is it. Other fitness programs use fitness models to be in their workouts with them. You see, here at DDP Yoga, we don't have that philosophy. We actually like to have the people be in the workouts who got results with the program. Like these people here. Except they don't look like that anymore. Wow. Pretty amazing. <laughs> now you like, ask yourself, what could you do? All right, guys, everybody huddle up. Everybody just metamorphosized from their old, from their before weight to their uh, after weight in, in front of our eyes for the people at home that... The, like less than half their original size. The girl, the girl in the front was become an instructor um, for me. Her name is uh, Christina. She she lost sixty five pounds and she's six foot one. Uh, the, the the guy behind her lost a, he still has about lose about another fifty pounds, but he's down one hundred and forty pounds. The girl across from him, his wife is down eighty pounds, and the guy in front lost three hundred. In 13 amazing. pounds wow. in 17 and a half months. Absolutely amazing. Now, understand, this was never a weight loss program. It's like a person. Yeah, like it's a, a big, big person. 313 pounds. You know, so it just it goes to show you a diet, workout. The cool be, yeah. thing about that video right there and what you were saying is I sit and I watch some of these infomercials, you know, and I'm not going to name names of any of them, but... I'm looking at the at the, you know the people the, the models they're using right, and I'm right. like these people are not that's not I mean it's this is so misleading that's not what happens well you know because you know you know as well as I do Dally like those people I mean first of all they're not drug tested <laughs> there's no wellness policy <laughs> well I'm just saying like. You don't know how they got those results. I'm going to right. tell you a secret. I found out. One of, I, mean, I won't name her name because you would get heat for this. Sure. But one of the girls who has like those food things where yeah, they feed you X amount of meals to help you lose weight. Yeah. Um, she let me know that 90, um, they, 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 some of these companies, <laughs> and we're going to say who, they will go into L.A. or New York and they will audition 1,000 people to find that, you know, 90 people and then feed them for those 90 days and they do the workout. What are those people going to look like in L.A. and New York? 
they're going to be a lot of models and actors and blah, 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 need to lose 20, 30 pounds or whatever Mm -hmm. that really want to be on whatever. I mean, it's like, to me, every person that you see that goes from like 99% of them, I never knew. I've never seen. I was on uh, Twitter, I don't know, about last week, and uh, I saw this guy put up a post down 100 pounds in 10 months. He looked great. He said, he put this post up at 12.34 at night. Well, I literally, it's like 12.38. So I DM him. Because anybody who follows my program and does it, I follow them. Because that's how I do that. You know, some of my friends, but mostly it's people in my program because I want to be able to see what they're doing. And uh, I text him, DM him and said, send me your number. He sent me his number, like, almost immediately. So I called him at quarter to one in the morning. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. <laughs> I said, hey, dude, what's up? It's DDP. He said, are you serious? Are you really calling me? I go, dude, I do it all the time. But I have to see. I'm not going to take someone's word for right. it. You know, they have to really put the work in. And if they put the work in, and like, you know, you know, we do autograph sessions yeah. all, the time. all the time. And today I get people from... You know, from obviously the wrestling, I get people from, you know, DDP Yoga. I get people from Resurrection and Jake the Snake. Now, a lot of the Resurrection people, they've never done DDP Yoga. They know a little bit about it, but they don't really know. And some of them are pretty big. Yeah. And I've had, I bet you I've given out in the last two months my email at least 12 times out to people who I say, listen, if you want my help and you're willing to put the work in, I'll send you what I call the list. And the list educates you. The list, first of all, you have to take these pictures. Like on the app, the DDP Yoga Now app, we've got a tracking section. Take six pictures. Now, they're not for being fat and skinny. It's about your physiology, your flexibility, and your core strength. Because I know month to month, that's going to change. And if you take the pictures day one, and you forget for two or three months, or you do it in the 30 days... You're going to see a difference, which is going to motivate you. You also got to take the measurements. If you're trying to lose weight, you want to see you losing inches. Next one's pain. Where, what's your shoulder, neck, hip, back, knees? Because so many people come to me, bad knee pain, bad back pain. Guess what? If you put the work in, going to go away. All right? Or it's definitely going to be weight cut back. Then I've got blood pressure, blood sugar, and diabetes. You've got to do all of this. If you're over, like, a couple hundred pounds overweight, you got to do all that. Then you have to listen to my Own Your Life audiobook, which I'm going to give to you. you got to watch my Living Life at 90% lecture, which I'm going to give to you. I'm going to show you how to get and watch, if you have Netflix, how to watch uh, uh, Food, Inc., Genetic Roulette, GMO, OMG, and Resurrection, Jake the Snake. When you finish all of that, send me an email back, and I'll call you, and I'll tell you where we go from there. And I will literally talk to that person every month or more to get them on the right track. If they keep putting the work in, I'll be with them all the way to the end, just like I was with Arthur. But they got to put the work in. You don't put the work in, you don't work, I don't work for you. You know, if you put the work in, it works. And, you know, there's no magic pill. And that's how I do things. I call people all the time. I'll pick up the phone and say, oh, okay, uh, this guy or this girl just invested in the program. And I'll pick it up. And if they answer the phone, I'll be like, hey, Mary. Uh, I go, hello, is Mary there? Yes, it is. I go, hi, it's DDP. Excuse me? 
I go, it's, right. it's, it's Dallas Page. What? Uh, I go, Diamond Dallas Page, you just got DDP Yoga. You're calling me? I just hit send. <laughs> like, I try to get the last person that just did it whenever I make the time in between everything else. But I mean, I really do call it because I care, and I yeah, I don't do. want people to buy it. I, I I mean, don't buy it if you don't want to put the work in. Don't get it, you know. They don't bother. By the way, my daughter Caitlin down twenty pounds from DDP Yoga. Awesome! Yeah. Awesome! That's <laughs> She's tremendous. so proud, man. She's uh, on dude, the phone after this, me that. after this, we'll call her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's and we'll live broadcast it on our Facebook page. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Xbox12360 show. By the way, I love that. 12360. That's awesome. <laughs> that was a good idea. I love that. Well, I don't want to take full credit for it. <laughs> man, Dallas, you know, I got to be honest, man. When I, I had a hard time getting through the movie. Yeah, I'll bet. Like, <laughs> I'm having a hard It's <laughs> it's bother it's not bother me not the right word affected you it's yeah it's almost like a PTSD yeah. deal like when I get to a certain part there and I see Scott in the wheelchair mm, yeah. yeah it's tough. imagine how hard it was for them to watch like yeah. you know what I really loved that that movie I did you know, for Jake we never he never saw anything we filmed oh. Because he was, who wants to see who himself wants to see like, like that? that. You know, right. no, he didn't want to see anything, but he just sure as hell didn't want to see any of the shit that were, it took a bounce, you know? Well, so he must have just trusted you to not portray him in a way that he wouldn't care for? When I went to see him the first time with Steve, now you don't know Steve Yu from Adam, and Steve Yu's a genius. I mean, he's one of the smartest guys. You know, top of his class at Cornell, was on the fast track to be a major executive for IBM and left it eight years in to follow a dream of doing a movie called Inspire the Movie and Inspiring Others. That's like who Steve Yu is. And so, but he don't know that. Like, I know that. But Jake, trust me, you got to remember, without... Dusty Rhodes, the late great American dream, the tower of power, the man of the hour, too sweet, but that will get monkey. I'm not my brother, man. I love them like literally like my brother. Without Dusty Rhodes, there is no, I get choked up on that spill. Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page. But without Jake Zeg Roberts, there's no three time world champion. He took me under his wing. He taught me shit that no one would have taken the and time. You, and the things that he taught you, I watched I watched you apply them. Thank I watched you. you apply them from the first little opportunity they gave you to get yeah. in the ring. Yeah. The, the the formula. Yeah. You knew the formula and you stuck to it and yeah. it worked. I learned from the master. I mean I thought so deep down. I don't think I really don't think if you if you if you go with a hundred wrestlers who are guys who made money, who were on top and had and in the day, if you say who's your top five guys just about everybody's got to have Jake on that list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got to yeah. be, you know, just because you got to learn a lot from him. And so I always wanted to pay him back. So when we finally got down there to his house, um, I told him, I said, Jake, I'm going to tell you right now. I know we're filming this. I know you're tentative about that. But I will never, ever play anything. We will, this movie will never, because I had the name, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake before I got there. It wasn't something that we named later. It was something we named. Well, I actually I was talking to a friend of mine named Moser, 
was a big wrestling fan and good come from a good friend of mine. And I was telling he had seen Jake in really dark, dark, dark spot in San Diego one night. And when I told him what we were doing, he was like, God, Dallas. He goes, that really could be the resurrection of Jake the Snake. And I went like, bing. I said, that's the name of the movie. Like, you've got to see that goal yeah. before, I don't care what it is, before it ever happens. And this would have been what would Steve Austin called goal impossible. Like, are right. you out of your fucking mind? Like, dude, don't do this. Because you can't have, like, he tried to talk me out of it because he didn't want it to, you know, affect my business in a negative way. And I'm like, I'm not, dude, that has nothing to do with that. And, I, and, I want to fucking help, I want to help my friend. And, and, like, when you, like, it's my experience with you, whenever you set out to do something, I've never seen you fail at it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not right, saying, no. you, I, you no, know, I'm I, sure we all have failures in our lives, but, I mean, you know, uh, I just, like, you had this vision, and, and, and we, we we create our own reality, like, yep. and and you had this vision, and it came true. Out at the other end, couldn't have been any any more. Could have been better. Could have been any it better. Was amazing, you know, man. It, on, on my birthday, on my fifty eighth birthday, Scott got inducted, and I got to induct. And Jake. we had, the, and, and I. I made it to your birthday party. Yeah, we had a good time yeah. at my birthday party. <laughs> Boys There's a birthday. picture of us right there, man. Uh, uh, from that night. Yeah. From earlier that there, night. gentlemen. Yeah, that's a, for the people at home that, that uh, aren't uh, are not watching, that's a, there's a picture of Dallas, uh, Kevin Nash, and myself from the from the Hall of Fame. That's one yeah. of the few times you'll see me in a tuxedo. Yeah, all of us. All of us. That's when Kev got inducted that yeah. night. Yeah, I birthday, thought that birthday was, right was that Kev's that, induction. That, that, that was Kev's induction. Oh, I thought it was the year before when when. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our, our, our that my birthday party when when those guys got. Yeah. Kev got inducted just last year. Yes, yeah, so that's what that one is. But uh, the bottom line is, is that I, I want. I told Jake and I said, you don't have to worry about this, dude. You'll never be seen by anybody. The YouTube's will because that's how. Without the YouTube's the people never would have known what Jake was going through and how good he was doing. So when he tore his rotator cuff out and didn't have insurance yeah. for years, Jake had no insurance. So he couldn't know what's he going to do. Just don't fix it. Scott too. No insurance. I'm, well, I, yeah, I have, I have similar things going on where I just don't, a lot of it has to do, I just don't have time to get some things fixed either. Yeah, but to, you know, the, the insurance is pivotal because of, you know, just being sure. covered for the big stuff, like a, like a surgery. And we did that Indiegogo thing with Jake. And so, I mean, we asked for 9200 bucks. We're asking for money. Though. We're going to sign pictures, which were cheaper than you'd get if you had to go and get pictures from us. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, phone calls, Skype calls, uh, yeah. T-shirts, the movie. Uh, every, and every single person, you know, I want to stay with this Jake first. Jake only wanted 9200 bucks. I didn't realize it was going to be 16000 but we only asked for ninety two. We put it up at 12 o'clock at night, or at 8 o'clock at night, at 8 o'clock the next morning or something. It was 12 hours. It was $7,000. Oh, my God. And that just, well, Jake didn't understand what he was looking at until I explained it. And then, man, he just broke down. Like, how could you think that people could care? You know, I don't care about myself. 
Why should they care about me? And it was so powerful. And the same thing happened for Scott for his hip. And $85,000 in like about a day and a half yeah, or two days. A total of 102000 107000 before it was all done. Yeah. It was insane. Jake came to like 29000 because only asked for nine, but again, they they wanted the pictures, they wanted the call, they wanted to be a part of it. Every single person that invested in those guys has their name on the end of the credits of the movie. There's thousands of people up there, and my crew made sure every name was up there, which was really really cool. So yeah. the the main reason I got this story is because we have to get the okay from Jake before we can go forward. And there's still going to be another 10 edits, at least, to the movie. But it's got to a point where this is going to be a bulk of the story. And now, you know, my guys are all worried because these guys are working for, you know, for a year, a little over a year, year and a half on this thing, maybe two at that point. And I told them, I said, if Jake says no, no one's going to see it. So they all were like... Oh, please, I hope he likes wow, it. Yeah. And we walked into his bedroom where I have a TV in everybody's room. And uh, before we start the movie, I said, Jake, there's two things you got to promise me. One, you don't leave. And two is you remember what's the most important thing to our business. And he didn't say anything. I said, so what's the most important thing to our business? He goes, the finish. I said, exactly. You got to stay to yeah. the end. So we watch you get all the way, and there's points where he's talking to the TV because he can see. He's saying, I only had two beers. Yeah. I only had four beers. I only had three beers. All right, it's all the same scene. I only had two up. beers. I'm, I'm not fucked, fucked up. up. No, I'm no. not. And he's just like, because when you have to watch that, and if there's any advice I would give someone who's trying to help you know, their dad or their brother or uncle or whoever you can't do it in a spot where you're like look look at you did you can't do that they got enough shame already shame and guilt that's what kills them that's what kills us absolutely but they need to see the way they're acting like you need to see this person you don't know you know like you're not this person unless you drink some people can drink and have any effect it doesn't affect me like that you know i'm lucky i call it lucky um, but, uh, you know, when it does do that and it does change you, they need to see. And when Jake saw that, that really helped him, you know, really helped him to really focus in on, I don't want to be that guy. And, uh, I believe then we go, then we go on tour with the movie and Scott came a bunch of times too, but Jake was there almost all of them. So we had to watch the movie over. And over, and it became tough towards the end because his hip was so bad because he needed another new hip, and he kept going. There was points in times where he'd be sitting because he'd be going and doing all the PR and everything we do. His hip is so bad, not the one he just you know had replaced seven years ago, the one that needs to be replaced. Yeah. It's so bad. I can see the sweat pouring down his face, and now we're gonna go out and have to do the Q and A. And I'm like, man, try to put on that instamatic grin for the people. He did his best, and you know, he was so good. I mean, it blew my mind this that the work ethic that he had, and from there was just you know, once he got that hip replaced, it, it was things that started to work better. And believe it or not, Jake Roberts today, his opening act is a guy named Alex Ansel, and when Jake started working with him. 
you know, on his, his show that he does, uh, yeah. his, his unspoken word tour. Um, he has this comedian who was 520 pounds when he started with him, who's now down 100 pounds. He just started doing the workout. That's just from juicing. Jake and his daughter Cody, who's, you know, is like his manager and right. savior. Um, I can tag off to Cody because I knew he was in great hands, but he's down to 236 pounds. And and his buddy is down 100 pounds. They both came to my house uh, right before I came out here to film this movie or this series, um, but uh, blew my wife's mind. All the guys at work, you know, over at the PC, DDP Yoga Performance Center, uh, blew their minds like, here's a guy that, is completely different now three years sober the fog has lifted there's no like he doesn't have to be looking over his shoulder he knows he's doing the right thing i mean he's got he's got six of his eight kids that he talks to on a regular basis the other two that hasn't happened yet but i think it will in time just because he's speaking leading by right example now, right? yeah say what yeah, i was we're speaking to jake right talking now. about jake talking yeah, about yeah. jake man he's he, I, I think that's so cool that like that that the I, that you can see the oh, the relationships with the bam with the kids because I have you know I have those same issues as well. Sure, sure. And that is one of the things that will keep you in your sickness. Yeah, but but it's to it's to be it should be the biggest thing that gets you out. Absolutely. To fix that because your kids love you, you know, and they want to love you. They don't want to not. I know because I did it with my dad. My dad was an alcoholic too. You know, and I know, I know what, you know, he went through and, you know, and it, like my mother still hates him, like fucking hates him. Wow. Like if she ever knew that I helped him from time to time, she choked me out. You know, I mean, there's still that like, but there's no need for that. You know, it's like you, you got to let people off the hook and give him a pass and then give a chance to prove himself, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, you know? especially when they're trying. Right, you that's know. the thing, you know, and there, but you know, like there's certain people that were in Jake's life. Don't want to name names, but you know, she would love to see him like, you know, really, really bad again. Of course, and it's just no, you know, there's no reason for that. And I, I think it probably uh, the greatest payback that Jake can give anybody who didn't want to see him doing well is just keep doing well. That's right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you're like trainer, psychiatrist, <laughs> therapist. How do you know how to do all of this? How do you know how to help people in this way? I don't know. You know, I really don't. I don't I all I know is like it's when it comes to working with people in my program, I just can see things. And like, no, let's do this. I take this chair and let's back that out and you know, move this way, move that way. Um I I don't know. I but don't know. Ne- yeah, because you've never really said that any one particular guy was your mentor when it came to like motivational type things, like an Anthony Robbins. Type but that, of guy. but he is. But he He's is amazing. a he is a guy that, like I tell people all the time, you want to see a great documentary. I am like, not your guru. Yes, is yes. that the one for Tony? Right. Yes. I went to that. I did four days there at, at one of his things. I got to remember. I'm I'm a kid who you know who. Grew up with ADD and dyslexia at a time when no one knew what the hell ADD or dyslexia was. I was reading at a third grade level at the age of 30. So I couldn't back then. Uh, in my mind, I thought I was never going to be able to read. And so I would listen. And, and uh, Tony had these cassette tapes. He had That's 20 right. of them. He was 24. I was 28 
or 29 at the time. And uh, I listened the hell out of them. And one of the big things I took out of that was uh, if you really want to do something, like if you have this goal in life, you need to find someone who's already doing it and take pieces of what they do and make it your own. So for wrestling, for me, it was obviously Jake Roberts, but it was also Randy Savage. It was Kurt Henning. It was um, Terry Funk. It was Dusty Rhodes. It was the things that they did, and mainly Jake. I had 80 hours of Jake on tape. Hours from inspirate, you know, from everything, and it's so funny because I'll look at me sometimes and I'll go, God, it's different, but it's so Jake. What was you your favorite? What was your favorite Jake era? The any the the WWF stuff, or did you like the Mid South? Or I, I enjoyed watching all of them, but his WWF stuff, like it was so real. Like here's what happened with me. Like I tried wrestling when I'm 22, but it doesn't work out for me, and. I always tell people, if it doesn't happen right away, that's not a bad thing. If you fall down a couple times, that's not a bad thing. Because maybe it's not time yet. Maybe you weren't ready. Because when I tried at 22, it didn't work out for me. Then I uh, I hurt my knee when that when that happened. And I ended up, I was in a nightclub business. I was 17. Next thing you know, I'm running, I've got my first rock and roll bar. I'm Norma running. jeans. No, this goes back to, oh, this goes back to 23 jeans. Battle. This is a jersey. Wow. So this is like years before that. I'm 22. And I got pulled in by the booze abroads in the party, and I didn't come out of even I when wrestling. But seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight, in nineteen eighty two, eighty three in Jersey, wrestling is going through the roof. Eighty five, I'm so mad. I've stopped watching. Like I don't want to hear about it because I know in my soul, if I'd have kept doing it. I'd have been there with those guys. Like, I know it. Like, I feel it. So I won't even watch it. And then one day, flicking the channels. You remember this. Yeah. Actually flicking the channels. Which and, one? The, the the VHF or the, or the UHF? No, no, no. no not going up and down. You yeah. know, just doing change him. And I come across Gorilla, who's the one who actually gave me. I, he was at an Asbury Park Convention Hall. Me and my buddy uh, Shipley were there. And... We ran around the side of convention center. You know it's how it's on the beach sure, and yes. stuff? Hey, Hammer. To Greg the Hammer Valentine. How do we get into wrestling? Fuck off. <laughs> he swears <laughs> to this day. He never said that. He swears <laughs> to this day, but he did. You know he did. And, and the last match is Gorilla. And Gorilla is leaving in his leotard, right? Yeah. As the free match ends, he comes out of the ring. Grabs his bag, goes to the people, and leaves with everybody. So, Gorilla, Gorilla, how do we become wrestlers? And we end up getting this guy's name, Tito, uh, wasn't Tito Torres, it was something like that, though. And that would be the guy I tried to work with. But uh, here I am, I'm flicking the channels, and there's Gorilla. So, he's, Gorilla's always had a special spot in my heart, but he's with Jesse. I've never seen Jesse. Jesse the body. Oh my, who is this guy? Oh my God, I love his energy. And who's the first guy out of the gate? Jake Roberts. And he's got the bag. And I'm pulled in for the rest. Now I'm back. And I'm watching. And by the time I get to Norma Jeans, and that's when I decided to try to, try to do the managing thing. And I, you know, the, the thing is, is Norma Jeans is in, is in Fort Myers. Fort Myers, Florida. And it, 
it, you're starting in uh, Minnesota for Vern, it seemed like. It was. It was, but I, yeah. I, did I ever tell you that story? That's classic, man. I, I, I see this uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun video in my sure. club. I just told the story the other day. And I grab my, you know, the drawers, the cash drawers. I had 12 bartenders on. And as I go to my, my head bartender, Smokey, give me your drawer. And I'm looking at that. I go, man, yeah, you talk to yourself. I yes. go, rock and wrestling. I should have been a part of that. And I walk to the back to count the drawers. You know, we're drinking now. It's the end of the night. Smokey comes in. He's like, hey, Peche, uh, what, what do you mean rock and wrestling? You should have been a part of that. I said, well, I tried it when I was a kid. He goes, seriously? I go, yeah. He goes, what was your name? Now, I'm a big, handsome Jimmy Valiant fan yeah. growing up as a kid. <laughs> so I'm so I, go, I go, handsome Dallas Page. He oh. went, whoo, you can forget about using that gimmick anymore. I <laughs> <laughs> started laughing. And I, I couldn't get it out of my head, kid. I couldn't get it yeah. out of my head. So I'm writing. You know, I get the, the blotter pad on my desk. And I'm running this, this big nightclub. Right. And I own a small piece of it. And I say, you know, I'm too old to be a wrestler. What if I was a manager now? What if I was Diamond Dallas Page? Oh, ooh, shot, shot, drink, drink, boom, bang. Then I write a little while, a little longer goes by. You know, Jimmy Hart has the Hart Foundation. What if I had the Diamond Exchange? Ooh, yeah. shot, shot. And the Diamond Dolls. Yeah, there, no, no, I go, yeah. At, at that point, I go... You know, there's you know, there's not there's there's some women in wrestling, but none of them are that hot. Now, Elizabeth was girl next door hot. Yes, but I like said, what if, what if what if they were like stripper hot? You know, and I called them the Diamond Dolls, and Smokey's like, oh, that'll be a stretch. Because back then, I was Diamond Dolls, page man. I was having so much fun. Yes, you were. And so I write down Diamond Dolls, and now it's the end of the night, and I go Diamond Dolls page, the Diamond. Uh, the Diamond Exchange, uh, the Diamond Dolls. I go, man, that is B-A-double-D bad. <laughs> and it just stopped me. I went, did I steal that? Did I just make that up? And I wrote that down. About a week later, they're doing a show called The Party News Network. And it's all from Sarasota to, to Naples, Florida. Gotcha. And uh, they want to... Uh, they they want to come and interview the guy behind the voice. Guy did all my own radio commercials, and occasionally I might put the boys in their hot legs. You know, sure. I might throw much. I could do Jesse Ventura that back then to a T. You wouldn't know who the real Jesse was. I I had him so down, and uh, I um, I'm being interviewed. Let me. They're showing B roll of me doing the you know doing the spot in the sound booth like this. I'm wearing a WrestleMania t-shirt. I got the hair. I got yeah. the whole look. At some point, they end in my office, and they say, so where does the voice come from? I look down. It's written all there. There's a pair of white sunglasses. I put them on, and I say, the voice comes from Diamond Dallas Page. I was born to be a professional wrestling manager. <laughs> then I stopped. I took the glass off, kept talking. Someone saw it, and then... A guy asked me to come on uh, his radio show and be Diamond Dallas Page. I was like, dude, I don't really do it. He goes, who cares? It's radio. So I went on and got to be with Captain Lou Albano. Oh, okay. Then, then okay. The, then the next show was with Sergeant Slaughter. And then he says, you should do something with this. I'm like, do what? You know? So he says, I have this friend in the AWA named Rob Russin. He's oh, Rob Russell from Sarasota. Rob, Rob Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to be a boxing promoter in Florida. Yeah. Now he's promoting for the AWA. I'll 
I'll send the tape to him. I go, what tape? He goes, the one you're going to make. So I take three guys who want to be wrestlers and create characters. Big Bad John. Big John. Right. And Big and Rock Hard Rick. Guy shredded. Oh, I remember Rock Hard Rick. No, no, dude. I made this guy oh, up. I made well, this up. Did you actually up. give that other guy the name? I might have. I might. You know me. Oh. I might have. And... Ted E. Bear, he's a midget. And of course, the Diamond <laughs> Dolls. And I bring them on with a guy named um, Captain Jack. He's a radio guy out of Jersey. The best pipes ever, except for Lee Marshall. I mean, right there with Lee. Lee Marshall, the Tony the Tiger. The, the Tiger, another great, God bless him, another great friend who's gone. But we do this promo for these guys. I send the tape to Russin. Two weeks later, he calls me back. We want to bring you and your guys in for a tryout. What guys? <laughs> we want to bring you and your guys in for a tryout. But we've got one question for you. I've showed the tape around. They like your shtick. Where have you guys been working? Oh, um, uh, uh, none of those guys could wrestle. What? Why would you send us a tape? I'm like, it's like a secret society. I don't, they don't want to get in. They want to be wrestlers. And, and like, don't call us, we'll call you. And this is what happened. The guy who's one of the biggest stars in the WWE right now, at the time his name is Paul E. Dangerously. Paul E. leaves the AWA oh, right, yeah. and goes to the NWA, which is about to become WCW, and there's a huge void there. So Greg Gagne calls me up. He says, all right, Dallas, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you in for a tryout. You're going to pay your way out here. We'll put you up and pay you nothing to try out. He <laughs> said, bring some of all the... I, dude, back then, I wore zebra skin jackets, leopard skin boots. I mean, I was a rock star in my own oh, mind. Yeah, that was you. Now, that was an identity. That's that yeah. but that's who I was really. Yeah. And I wore all that crazy shit and sequin skin sequins. I wore them in Fort Myers Florida nightclub. Sequin jackets, rhinestone ties. I wore all that shit. And uh he says, bring all those crazy clothes you have and a couple of those hot girls and we'll give you a tryout. And I went out there and next thing you know I'm managing bad company. Wow. And when I went in the what room... What a team, too. Huh? What a team, man. At one of my favorite moments ever, We walked, back then, Vern kept babyface on one side, heels on the other. And you didn't talk about the match, ever. And uh, so uh, we all meet in a, sh in a double, you know, the rooms where they had king size are double. All the boys are meeting in this one room. Got to be like 60 of us in there. And uh, uh, Shawn Michaels is laying back on the bed with his head propped up on the pillow. And when Vern introduced me as the manager for Tanaka and Diamond, Sean goes, shouldn't Tanaka be managing Diamond? <laughs> <laughs> and Tanaka's like, Fuck Plus you were like a foot taller than both right, of them. Right. Hey, uh, Dallas, can you stick with us for a second? I'm going to take a break uh, just for a minute. Sure, we'll be sure. right back. We'll be right back on X-Pac 12360. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. 
We are back on Xbox One Two Three Sixty with Diamond Dallas Page, who was actually telling us a little bit ago about this Jesse Ventura impression. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to interrupt you then, but I'm going to ask you, you know, to do that for I us now. Can't I have to hear him now. It's been so long since I've done him. God, I can't. I can't. remember that Minnesota accent. Oh, God, you know, I have to hear it. If I hear him, then I can do it. But it's been so long. But back then, like, Jesse was my guy. And I, I was really, when I first started doing the management thing, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe how receptive he was when I, when I first met him. He was, he's how I would treat people. Uh, when, he, when they walk up to me because they're fans or whatever. And he actually came down to Fort Myers, Florida. He was coming there. Well, I met him in... Uh I met him in Orlando one one time he was up there, and uh, then he said, "Yo, oh, God, I can't believe you're in, you're in Fort Myers." He goes, "I'm coming to Sanibel Island with my wife," so I actually wow. went out to the island, had dinner with him, and he showed up at the club at, at Norma Jean's to have cocktails with us. Nice. And he was a you know, he was a god back then, you know. He, he was, was that man. was that like around the time where he started the uh, the FCW with the uh, with Randy Roberts? You remember no, that, that name? Yeah, but that was that was before him. He was still he was still the man in W. He was uh, done. Okay. McMahon, you idiot. I mean, like, he was like... Oh, Jesse. Jesse. Oh, I thought we were talking about Dusty. No, no, I was talking about, I was talking about Dusty. Oh, Jesse. But Jesse actually, showed up to your club. Jesse, Jesse Ventura did. Wow. Yeah. With but, his wife, Terry. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you what, though. For Dusty, though, the story, as far as there, I'd sent them a tape while I'm doing, working with Vern, right. right? And I worked one day a month. So I'm not really learning all that much. Uh, so I sent a tape to... Uh, to Michael Graham, the late, you know, yes. late great Michael Graham, he was awesome too. Great what a guy, great worker too. Oh God, amazing! And, and uh, I sent it to Mike, and I had done a show for them. My '62 pink Cadillac broke down on the way from Fort Myers to, uh, it's actually through a rod to Tampa for Eddie Graham Memorial, right. and in Venice it went down. So I still got 90 miles to go. And I ended up getting there, and Mike didn't forget that, you know? Yeah. And so when Dusty left the NWA, because they were becoming WCW, they wanted him to be a heel. And he's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, I know who Dusty Rhodes is. And uh, he uh, went to Florida. He was coming to Florida to repop the territory with Randy, right. Mike, the whole Fred deal. Fred Ottman, uh, the, yep. you know, the yep. do they, people his, know his son Typhoon. Yeah. yeah. One of the strongest son bitches I ever met. He was called Big Steel Man back yep, then. And Big man, Steel. what a monster. Monster, man. We used to have videos of him pulling my Porsche. <laughs> Faster! And, and that was the first time I saw Terry Funk come uh, come back in shape, working with Dustin Rhodes. And he came show. out of the, I, I brought him. I brought him. He came out of the uh, the package. The, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I brought him on there. I got that footage still. Um, but before that... I'm, I've got strep throat. I'm home. I'm in bed. I'm passed out, you know, like trying to get to sleep. Can't sleep because I'm a nightclub guy and it's only 1230 at night. But I got a six o'clock flight, so I'm trying to sleep. And I get a, I get a phone call. And, you know, back in the day, there was answering machines. So I let it go to the answer machine. I hear Mike Graham. Diamond Dallas Page, pick up the phone. It's Michael Graham. I'm sitting here with Dusty Rhodes. We just went for, through our first case of beer. We just opened up the crown. I want, I want you on. Mike, hey, how you doing, Mike? He's like, what the hell's the matter with you? I got, I got strep throat. You know, I don't want to hear that. I got Dusty Rhodes here. I want you to put you on the phone. I want you to blow him away like he's the biggest mark on the planet. I'm like, Mike, Mike, no, no. Oh, I've no. got strep throat. And, and uh, show him my videotape I sent you. He said, can't. VCR's broken. Here you go. 
Dusty gets on the thing. I hear, hello. Good God. Dusty Rhodes, the tower power, the man of the hour. I went through everything he ever said, Albano ever said. I, was, I stole everything from everything and a few of my own things in there. I did about 45 minutes of speed rapping. And uh, I go, that's all I got, Dusty. I, I, I got strep throat. Nothing. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. I'm thinking, did he hang up on me? It felt like five minutes. It was probably ten seconds. And then I hear, was that a recording kid? No way. Wow. And I said, no, Dust, that's me. He goes, I like your energy. I'll tell you what. And then he brought me up, and uh, I came up the next week, uh, and Mike Graham's in there. Steve Kern's in there. Gordon Soley's in there. That's what I was going to ask you. What was it like working with the dean of professional wrestling, Gordon Soley? Uh, My personal favorite ever. Dude, he, when I walk in there, I'm looking around like, and I'm Mickey Mark, you know, still at this (laughs) point. But I know how to be cool, but I'm still a Mark, especially for these boys. You know, especially Soley. Gordon Soley, oh my God, I'm sitting next to Gordon Soley. But Dusty is one of my guys, right. you know. Don't ever really know at that point he's going to become one of the most influential people in the world to me. And uh, so I want him to know, because I know I'm making great money in the nightclub business, and I'm living the dream there. So I'm not going to quit my day job or night job for 200 bucks a week. But I do want to be involved. And I do. I'll do what. I'll come up here and do TVs, and I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll come up and learn whatever I need to learn. But uh, I, I just wanted to make sure he knew I knew who I was, you know, yes. that type of attitude. But super respectful. And when I get all the way to the end of it, he says, "You know, kid, I see a lot of Jeffy in you. I see some Captain Lou in you." I actually see a little me in you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you with Gordon. And you, and I interrupt and I go, Dust, Dust, uh, you say you want me to be a color commentator? Yes. And I went, no. I said, no, just don't disrespect. I don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch. And he said, don't worry about it. Gordon's going to walk you through it all. Oh, yeah. And he did, man. And I freaking sitting next to him. I could just be this power, high energy, you know, guy. But I would listen to him as he would call the matches. And year, or probably a year and a half later, Dusty left by that time. It didn't make it. Sure. Because the only thing that was ever going to last anymore was WCW and WWF at the time. Uh, And... uh, I Dusty been the you know polka dotted guy up there and he you know he made that work unbelievable very very few people me included make everything work yeah but he could yep. and uh, he uh, he got me a tryout so I went up there Jesse Ventura is now gone I know I ain't filling that spot you know what I mean but at the time I figured what the hell I'm gonna go up there and give it a shot and. Paul Lee and I had started talking at that point. We, you know, we never met yet, but we knew that like I'm sort of following him in a lot of spots of the new guy who could talk. And he told me 
They're going to do things like make you grab your ponytail and pull your own ponytail while you're cutting the promo. And like he told me the ribs they were going to play on me, which was really nice of him to do. Um, so uh, I go up there and I do all the stuff in front of the green screen. No one knows what green screens are back then. Oh, you know? you're talking about your tryout for Vince. For Vince. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, they will. They'll, yeah. they'll, 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 they'll they rib the hell out of you. Definitely rib you. And they even make you do all that stuff without even recording it. I can tell you a different thing. The, uh, Howard, Howard Finkel and Harvey Whippleman thought they were having a WrestleMania match and they had them in there cutting promos on each other and they weren't even recording it. Oh, God. But yeah, that's part of the, you know, the fun, having fun in the business. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I now I after I do the you know the openings and scrap arounds, uh, I get in the booth and I'm doing with Lord Alfred Hayes, I'm doing the uh, the play I'm doing the color. So as I'm doing the color, no baby, no, no baby, uh, no good God, yeah, know this, know that. I'm thinking you're hearing this in the yeah in the head in the cans. Yes. I'm like, well that's all my shtick, dude. You're like take that away. You just want me to talk? So I did it. And then they walk in, Bruce Pritchard walks in, he goes, all right, Diamond, um, you do play-by-play now. Lord, you do color. And when I got done with that version of that, Lord Alfred Hayes put his hands on the table and pushed himself away. And he said, well, my friend, did you ever learn to do play-by-play like that? That was amazing. <laughs> did he really? I swear to God. And I said, I've been sitting next to Gordon Soley for the last year and a half. You're about wow. to learn a thing or two. <laughs> And that's that's what I learned. I learned, you know, over that period, you know. Yeah. And it was funny when when I went and had my run, which was all of six months, in a WWE. Uh, when it was time to go, uh, Kevin Dunn had wanted me to come up and do a tryout for play by play, not play by play, but color. And I did it, you know, because I'm still getting paid. You know, my neck's totally screwed at that time, sure. but I just wanted to be out. I was done. I needed to get out of the business. I needed a break. I needed to change. And Kev called me up. And he was like, kid, you are. He goes, I've never said this before, but you are the next. You could be, he said, the next Jesse Ventura. He goes, I, I think you'll be amazing at this. This is what I want to do. And I'm like, you know, Kev, I, you know, I'm really, I'm burnt out on the business. Plus, I think you're a much better original DDP. <laughs> But to me, no matter yeah. what, hearing but hearing that, no matter what, made I got what he was trying to say, yeah, and Jesse's still too. the best to do it yes. there. And at least play by play, I think Jim Ross is the best color, you know, play by play guy. We really can do both. Um, but uh, I, um, I just didn't want to do it. And you know, you don't say no to those guys. <laughs> you, can, right. you don't say no. And I said no, and he said, take two weeks. And then two weeks later, he called me back, and I still said, you know, no disrespect, but I'm not, I, you know, I appreciate you, you know, I'm not going to do it. And he was like, okay. And I never heard from him for five years wow. until I got to do the very best of Nitro deal. And then when I did such a good job on that, got back in the good graces of Kevin again, and then got two and, and three. That's and that's a big deal. That's like, a big deal. You, Damn you right have to it be is. in the good graces of Kevin Dunn. I, I, I did not, I believe me, I did not want to say no right. to Kevin Dunn, but I stretch the imagination. But uh, I just was burnt. You know, I, need, I needed to change up, and my life... Uh, and everything happened how it was supposed to, yeah. because look what's going on now. Look at all the, like, the, the, the lives you're affecting in a positive way. And it's, it's pretty like, cool. It is. It's so cool, man, and it's so cool for me to like 
see one of my friends being the one doing it, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate Dude, that. I'm so grateful that you, I, I know how spread thin you are. And, and, and I always say this, Dallas, time is the most valuable commodity we have. More than money, anything Absolutely. else. We can't, we can't save, you know, like Jim Croce said, can't put time in a bottle. Great. I love and Jim Croce. <laughs> so for you to give us your time, man, thank you so much, bro. And I love you very much. I love dude. you too, brother. Appreciate you having yeah. me down. Bang. <laughs> oh, man, before we get out of here, I got three quick questions. I want sure. To ask. Okay. So can we talk yeah, about your you, feud? Do you know get, I get don't have a quick answer? Fan <laughs> uh, your feud with the Macho Man in 97 and just how it won PWI, best rivalry that yeah. year, and how just great it was working with him and sure. like, the honor of, like, I, I was watching an interview with you and, like, you telling the story of, like, both of you guys in the locker room and Arn coming in and being like, so much, what do you want to do for the finish? Yeah. And if you could tell that story and uh, just working okay. with him. Sure. Uh, you know, I didn't get to pick with Randy. You know, I didn't get to pick that. Right. <laughs> Randy. That's right. Pick that. <laughs> you know, there, there, he, there was, I think he was the really, he's, besides Hulk, he really did control his own destiny from A to Z. So, you know, being such a huge fan and literally, again, stealing a lot of stuff from Savage, you know, especially everything he ever did with Liz, I did with Kimberly, you know, and it got me such great heat. It got her so over. Um, I, it was, it, when he asked to work with me, because he knew that what was happening with the NWO thing with me and Scott and Kev, like that stuff jettisoned me. So now, I was right there. Now, is he going to take it one step further and put me over? Because that's that's, that's the, the question. Yeah. That's but I I just I'm just happy to work with him. You know, as yes. you know, and. Uh, the Friday night before, we're in Florence, South Carolina, and uh, you know that, that's when we were still doing the hockey places. We hadn't; it was just exploding. Like we would have sold out a twenty-two thousand seat place right then in ten minutes. But these buildings are booked a year ahead, so we're, we're just in like an eight thousand sure. seater. But it's packed on top of pack on top of pack, and Savage and I are the main event. And uh, we're, you know, we're in the back in the locker room, and uh, it's the Friday before the pay-per-view on Sunday. And uh, every night, the NWO is just leaving me laying, or I'm hitting a couple diamond cutters and escaping through the crowd. But every single night, there's no finish, right. <laughs> you know, ever. And uh, Arn comes in, and uh, he says, uh, so much, what do you want to do tonight? <clears throat> putting his boots together I'll never forget he tied him up he looked up he goes I think I want to take the diamond cutter and he went wow, back down and man. and man Arn and I we went through some heat together <laughs> wow. there, there's a point where Arn had told me I was never going to be a top guy and he said it because Savage Hogan Flair Luger or Sting are never going to put you over because you're not perceived as a top guy. He later would apologize for that, but it's something. You, you know, I, I have no, you know, I, lo I love Arn. You know, I have sure. no negative feelings about anything of anybody, but you was, still don't forget and, some and, of the comments. And, you know? and he was making a statement on yeah. how things worked around there because, yeah. like, if you got paid more than one guy, you didn't put him over. 
It seemed like that was how they did things. And, and this was going to break that tradition to a certain and degree. damn sure did. And uh, Arn just looked at me and he went like, uh, Diamond, uh, yeah, I hope you realize what an honor this is. I was like, uh, yeah, I do. hope you renegotiated your contract <laughs> right after that, You know, too. I didn't, man, because what happened was we go out there for the match, you know... <laughs> Randy beat the piss out of me that night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, right at the end, I I blew that little comeback, and he stopped me, went to slam me, and went, cutter. And out of the slam, I pulled out the diamond cutter, and the roof blew off. And I just freaking took my time, laid my arm across him, one, two, three, and man, that was the loudest pop. Oh, you did the old. Point. You did the old. I gave him my finish. Now I'm going to take my time covering. No, up. no, no. I just threw my arm over like I was dead because he just whooped my ass all over the right. ring. You know, I was just doing a desperation throw the arm right. over him, hope he doesn't kick out. Mm. You know, I'm not hooking his leg. And when he didn't kick out, it was so loud in there, but it was like somehow the cone of silence came down. Remember, get smart. Sure. The cone of silence came down, and I could hear Munch go, "Wheel." guess we know what we're doing for spring stampede nice and i thought god is he ribbing me you know because i knew what that would do for my career wow yeah so uh it was a it was a, it was an unbelievable run anybody who ever asked me who's your favorite guy to work with of course it's going to be him my biggest honor was when you think of how many people randy savage have worked with and, and how many people he's actually put over <laughs> <laughs> but all, but also in the fact that Angles. Every single person had angle. Yeah. Savage. I mean, I mean, you take Hogan. They had the um, what was it when they were called not dynamic mega duo. powers, mega powers, and they had the angle with Liz. You know, they had two of of the top five angles that the WWE put up there for Savage when he passed. Of course, two were that. The other one was Jake. Jake can't remember who the fourth one was, and the other one's me. Wow. So when I got to be up there with Jake. With Savage on top five, who's worked top with everybody, it was uh, it was really cool. And to be you know the feud of the year, and who was in number two that year, a pretty damn good feud, Bret Hart and Steve Cole, uh, Steve Austin, you know. Uh, oh yeah. Just to, that, the, just to have that little notch up there, uh, it was pretty cool, man. It was it was a dream come true for me, you know. So you were doing the diamond cutter out of nowhere way before the RKO. Was <laughs> So you were so innovative with the diamond cutter, you would hit it from like the Death Valley position or yep. pop people up into it, that you were giving other people new finishing moves <laughs> from that. How did you feel about that when you would do it from like like the the DVD position and then the next week on Raw, Mark Merrow was like, oh, this is the TKO. It's my new finisher. It's right. like, no, that's just a variation of the diamond cutter. <laughs> well, Mark, who's one of my very best friends, uh, had actually called me and asked me. Okay. He said, do you mind? I said, God, no, bro, take it. You know, but I, I remember one time, because uh, Bubba used to do it out of the, he shoot the guy in and... Uh, the sidewalk slam thing? No, not sidewalk. He used to take him when he go for the, uh, the like, leapfrog thing, and he'd push him up into the air, and then catch him and pull him down. When I did that, when I went right to the hard camera, went, thanks, Bubba, love it. <laughs> you know, and then Spike would do the run through the air one up the yeah. up the uh, the, the uh, turnbuckle, turn and hit it. Yeah, to me, you know, the people who watched over that time, like, no, like, I had like my, my biggest compliment, maybe ever, is Jake calling me January nineteen ninety seven. 
and all he said, I hadn't talked to Jake in probably close to a year over that time. And he called me up. He said one word. He said, congratulations. I said, Jake? He goes, yeah. I said, what'd you say? He said, congratulations. I said, for what? He said, reinventing the DDT. And That's pretty wow. strong. I was, I was <laughs> about to say, like, uh, there's not many um, moves that have been copied as much as a DDT. Right. And probably the cutter is right yeah. up there. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Like, I called Randy Orton when, and he didn't remember this. Um, we talked about it much later. But I called him, and he, he was just got out of it. <laughs> I would find out later he had just got out of shoulder surgery around that time. I remember he was hurt. Yeah. But I wanted him, when he came back, to use the cutter because I love Orton's work. You know, I think he's as, I'm a as, huge fan. as believable as it can be. And, you know, he's promos. I mean, the guy, he is, he's the, to me, he's the guy. And, uh, and I, I wanted him to carry it on because I knew – that first of all, he would take it to a different spot. I seen the one that him and Zig did, literally out of the power bomb, right. where he threw him up. Ziggler's one of the another crazy, amazing, friggin' technician, unbelievable. I still don't understand why they don't push him through the roof because the guy's got the look, he can talk, and he can work. I smell money. What? I smell money. I don't understand <laughs> I don't know where he's got heat, but I mean, he's not a guy to get someone else over. Another guy I love a lot is uh, Bray. I mean, yes. I mean to me, he'd be an Undertaker, you know, if I was booking, and he'd be undefeated, and we'd go for another fifteen or twenty years with him at Mania. And I don't, you know, understand uh, why he's not getting a monster push. And I only watch occasionally, but I know talent. And those two guys, well, those three guys, are ridiculously talented through all different levels of it. But. Um, I forgot where the hell I was. There is a ton. There, there's, there's several guys coming up right now that are that, to me, are the, the new guys. That who, are gonna, who, are you, who are you thinking of right now? They, well, I mean, a lot of. See, I'm a, I'm huge on uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Huge on yeah, him. I, and and uh, Scott and I have talked about this. We think he could be the first guy that's like the man that's not, you know. That's not, you know, from the States right. or for an American speaker. Right. His charisma just yeah, it's is pretty so amazing. amazing. And everybody loves him too, oh my man. God. You're great. I watched some of the NXT stuff that was down there because I try to catch that occasionally too. And uh, my phone, I just turned off. Sorry about that. <laughs> phone on there. Um, but, uh, you know, when I watch the people down there react, like that, that's where you really see the beginning of superstars there, because they, they're, you, they're not just going to bring you out there because your entrance and love you. Yes. They're going to freak. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be looking for you to screw up. Because <laughs> I well, think they'd be pretty critical down there. They they're are, real fans. And 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 that's another thing. God, Hunter's doing such an amazing job with that. Amazing job. Amazing um, job. I mean, that's to me, for for my taste, it's right up there on par with the with the other two brands. It should be. For me, it should be right up there with them. Like, well, you know, it's, it's I, I, it could, it, it, you never know. It could be, you know, it could become the brand. Do you know, like, do you know they operate that that separately and it, it turns a profit on its own and like it's oh, not subsi- it's not subsidized. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's yeah. amazing about that. Especially when it's all the guys coming out of there and you're gonna, right. you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, when I, I remember when I was first up there when I was telling them that, listen, I'm not telling you Jake's gonna turn his whole life around, but. 
you know, uh, you know, he's, he's staying with me right now. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, there's, there's a chance that, you know, this could turn into something. And I said, so let's, you know, and when I was there talking about that, I was also talking about the, you know, I, I wanted to get together with his guys and start working with some of his young guys. And he told me about the PC down, I guess it was about yeah. five or six years ago and what he wanted to do with it. And, you know, he really, I, I think that's the future where everything's coming from. Everybody sees that, but you know, people say, "Oh, it's not what it used to be." I go, "Yeah, give it some time." It's nothing cyclical. is what it used yeah. to be, but it's, but it's, it's everything's cyclical. Yes. It's up and down, and eventually they're going to hit some stride. Just going to go. Things oh, ev- and, and, and things evolve. I mean, we evolve as species. I mean, there's so many. It's like, yeah, it's great to look back and go, "Yeah, those those days were great." Oh, it's not like it used to be. No, you're right. Nothing it's not. Is. But it's, it doesn't mean it can't be great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and Mick Foley always ends his comedy tours telling this story <laughs> about putting cookies in your bed. So I'd love to hear your side of this story. Um, you know, the whole cookie story, I it's been told to death. Mick, Mick's is, you know, semi on the money. <laughs> uh, I, I love that he used his, uh, his comedy act and would put different people in the DDP spot. Uh, oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, he would put, like, he had this one girl who was with, uh, she used to be a writer for WWE, and she put on the blonde wig, <laughs> and she, she'd wear, like, cream color because she's supposed to be naked, and I completely forgot back then to help my knees, I would put DMSO, which they put oh, on Oh, remember horses. that? Yeah, of course. I, but you gotta, you can't put it... You could taste the garlic taste in your mouth after you put that stuff on. But you couldn't put something on it that like on your covers, because whatever it is, it's sucked into your into pores. your body, into your pores. So you had to put saran wrap around it, and you hear the <laughs> and I completely forgot that part of the story. And you have to understand what the cookie story is to Mick Foley. Mick Foley, I used to tell him all the time when we were on the road, Mick. And my, my wife hears him today. We, was we, we're about to put a, pro, uh, a video out of Mick and his journey with sure. DDP Yoga. and Because uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, and it took five different times for me to start with him. And the last time, I didn't even start with him. Like, he started on his own. Um, but she was listening to it. She goes, oh, my God. And she knows him. You know, she spent time at my house. He goes, he is such an intelligent guy. I'm like, I used to tell him that all the time. He was so tight with his money, like the tightest, <laughs> tired Austin, tired anybody. But he's saving his money because these wrestling's all he's going to be able to do. And I'm like, Mick, are you out of your mind? You're one of the smartest guys I know. You can do anything you put your mind to. And I mean, I would beat that into him. And then... We interview him for my book, Positively Page. And when we did that, excuse me, when we did that, of course, the cookie story is going to come up. And I wrote it like me speaking, the auto, uh, the biography, autobiography, biography, the biographer is going to speak, I speak, and then I would let the boys tell the story. Because it's their version. Because there's always sure. my version, your version, and what really happened. But I wanted it to be their version. And after that inter- you know, interview with Smokey, he got on the plane, my uh, Mick, and he's flying to Germany. And he thought, he's writing his own book. Dallas Page is writing his own book. I've got to write mine. And he had the long ledger pad. It was the, the yellow legal pad. 
and he wrote his first three books on that. I watched him write the first one on the airplane ride back from Europe because that's, he hated the fact that he hated the job the ghostwriter was doing. Well, that's what he did, putting the pen yep. to paper. That's right. When he got his his child's book, he was at my house in, in Atlanta years ago, and he said, I want to thank you for you know, putting that in my brain, but also interviewing me for that you know, cookie story because I don't know if it would have clicked off the way it did because his book was incredibly, all of his books have been incredibly successful. He's a great writer. He's a great storyteller. He's a great comic at this point. Now he's just taking downtime from that, and you know he's getting he's you know got that great gig with Holy Foley and the whole deal. But mix it, mix mix, you know who you think he is. You know, yes. he's that guy. He is that guy. I, I I've said this before about Mick, and, and, and not just in wrestling, but I can't say as I've met a better human being. Yeah, on he's the pretty. Planet. He's he's a good man. And that just man. sounds like blowing smoke, but I mean, really, it's 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 really hundred percent true. It's not uh, really. There's no gimmick there. No, I, and I'll leave you with this: we were in, we were doing an autograph session for Comic Con together. It's the only time we've ever really done it, but it was like about four weeks ago, and uh, I was sitting in the lobby watching some game that was on in this sweet hotel that's on the ocean, in Miami, and Mick came rolling in. He sat down next to me. He goes, "Hey." He goes, I got to thank you, man. I go, thank me for what? He goes, I had some friends here tonight, and uh, they wanted to go to dinner. And we got outside the hotel, and they said, well, the place we want to go to, uh, blah, 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 it's like uh, six blocks away. Do you want to take a cab? He said, no, I think I want to walk. He goes, I just walked to the restaurant six blocks. He goes, and then I just walked back six blocks. He goes, thanks for not giving up on me. Nice. Because I never would have been able to do that. Wow. You know, and that is like, I was like, awesome, dude. You wow. know, really cool. That's amazing. So That's when, and, when and where are we going to see the video of his journey with DDP Yoga? Um, actually, it'll be up this week. I just, my guy just sent it to me. Like, I always, I always want to make sure that the, the, the little salt and pepper has been added, that, that when someone's telling an important part, that there's no B-roll. I mean, I want to see them sure. talk like that. And uh, we show, man, some of the bumps that Mick, like, oh, my God, because it's a fraction of what Mick's done to himself. You know, a fraction. I mean, we would be on the road on, uh, on um, you know, back when Bill, uh, uh, Bill Watts came in, um, he took away the mats around the ring. That's right. And Mick would do a running elbow off the apron down on the guy on the cement floor and take 85% of the bump. Every night. Every night. He'd take the pain, didn't put it on you to be his crash pad. And I go, Mick, what are you doing? They don't, there's 200 people here. I know, but they paid their hard-earned money. I go, yeah, but that's like a pay-per-view thing. Like, not not here, house show, 200 people. And like, we just, like that, we just show a, a blip of the abuse that Mick's gone through. And one of the things I'll, I'll tell you, that as you get beat up and you get older, you shrink. And Mick, we used to be 6'4". And his last time he measured himself uh, was about a year and a half ago or somewhere around there. And he was six, one and a quarter. 
And then he just measured himself at the dock, I think it was like last month, and he's 6'3 again. Because when your spine's doing this, think about, look how much height you get when you can do this. But when you can't do past year, that's how tall you are. Yes. Until you can do this, like he, he's created scoliosis in his spine. Now, some people are born with it. He created it by all the abuse. But it's, and it's going to be interesting to see another year or two from now, we check him again to see if it's straightened out a little bit more. But again, it's helped him. Just being like, able to stand with, with proper posture just projects better. I oh, mean, you absolutely. just project so much more confidence and, you know, just, it's, and I mean, it feels better. It opens everything up in your body, like to, sure. to flow better. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you know, a million <laughs> times more than I do about this stuff. Uh, just when I see my, my buddies, you know, and someone like AJ, you know, on top of the world, and he came to me at the DDP Yoga Performance Center. They just sent him home from Japan because he was hurt. I remember that? Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I just, I just helped him, and I, I, I hope that he really understands that j- because that helped him heal, help heal him. I hope he's being consistent because if he just stays, keeps doing it, the odds of him getting hurt are way less. Like I'm wearing this. Virginia uh, t-shirt day. He's like, how do y'all wear a DDP yoga shirt? I mean, I always wear them. But my boys, even though they're 0-3, they just got Coach uh, Bronco Mendenhall there. And these guys have been doing my program since spring ball last year, since Bronco left uh, um, Utah and uh, BYU and came over there. He picked up a program that was at the you know the bottom of the spot right now. But these kids got a lot of heart. They got a lot of drive. They've been doing my program over spring ball. They had one injury. Again, preventative yeah. maintenance. I haven't got an update to where they are right now, but you know, it's it just helps preventing stuff, especially when you do. What you know, about when you guys do. are still doing when you guys are still doing heavy resistance training, weight training, and they want to add the, the it's DDP just an yoga? Ad. It's an ad. You know, you it's just like add it on. no more cardio. Here's your cardio. Gotcha. You don't need it. You know, and if you're doing it three days a week, like most of the guys get on that treadmill, like I'm Rick, Rick Flair would get on for an hour plus. Yes. You know, like for me, I was always like 40, 45 minutes. Once I started doing this, no more cardio. This became all my cardio. I still lifted weights because I wanted to keep that size. Now I want to be 225. I don't want to be 255. That's a job. You know, I want to yeah, be 225, mean and lean. You know, 60 on my way to 70, 70 on my way to 80. I'm still going to have that foot over my head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we really are going to let you get out of here this time, <laughs> Dallas. But tell all the people where to check out DDP Yoga. Okay, well, for starters, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at, at RealDDP, at DDP Yoga. I'm on it all the time. Uh, if you're doing the program, I'd love to hear what you're, you know, what, you, what you're doing, what, what's happening with it. Uh, as far as Facebook, Diamond Dallas Page Athlete. You'll be able to see it there. I put up stuff all the time. But uh, DDP Yoga, one word, DDP Yoga Facebook is my team program there. And there's like 11,000 people on there. Like, don't listen to anything I have to say about my program. Go on there. Hit that like button. See that community that helps each other. They're very like-minded. Follow that, and then you'll see, like, 
But I'm saying, like, they're saying because they're doing it and living it, and they help each other. And that's really what it's all about. I'm a firm believer of a quote I once heard Zig Ziglar say. And he said, you can help, you can get, let's focus on that, you can get whatever you want as long as you help enough people get what they want. Love. Bang. Love that. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Oh, well, let's go out on that note exactly. <laughs> you got to give it away to keep it, right? Bang. Absolutely, brother. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we will be right back. Stay tuned. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Time for some final thoughts here on X-Pac 12360. Man, Diamond Dallas Page did not disappoint. He never does. Plus, he's one of my one of my dear friends. And DDP, so, BFF? You know, of course. <laughs> so you know he's going to come in here. And, and uh, like I said, I wasn't kidding when I said this guy was spreading himself so thin just to be here today. So. And then he would, if, if we would have kept talking for another hour, he'd be here for another hour. Oh, right for now. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just love to hear from his point of view, his passion for helping people. You know, we all saw the documentary. We've heard he's helped 50 wrestlers and millions of other people. But he's doing that seriously just because he wants to. Just yes. because he feels like that's his destiny. It feels good destiny. to make people yeah. feel good. Yeah, I got to really respect that. Yeah. And also, I want to thank Jason King from Bleacher Report for... Stepping into the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> he got the hot call today. Yeah, he was great. And uh, and um, thanks to Bleacher Report themselves for uh, for the apology. Apology accepted. I forgive you. <laughs> all right. It's all good. It's all good over here. Well, we want to thank you guys all for coming and hanging out with us today. You can always keep up with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash xpoc12360show. All the links for our past episodes, some cool pictures and videos. We are on Instagram as well at xpoc12360. Make sure you follow us. You never want to miss who our next guest is going to be, what we're up to during the rest of the week. And you guys can always follow me at Christy Reports. Tweet me. Send me Instagram videos. You know I always have the juicy news scoop for you. So I appreciate that. And Sean, where can they follow you? Well, they can follow me at the real xpoc on Twitter and... I think it's just the real, no, I think it's real X-Pac on Instagram. You know what? I'm going to check that out. Yeah, oh, yeah, because i got to tag you, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you very much, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week right here on X-Pac 12360 on the AfterBuzz TV network. Ooh. Yeah. of the AfterBuzz TV network. Buzz you later.